Welcome to another episode of Collector's Quest. On this episode, the guys and I are talking about Castlevania. It's the So You Want to Collect Castlevania episode. We could call it part one because we don't cover every Castlevania game. We stop probably about GBA. We don't get into PlayStation 2 and all that. We we stop before that. We do identify some games in other territories, you know, released in Japan or in Europe. So we talk a, a lot about a lot of different Castlevania games, if they're collectible, what we think about them. So... Stay tuned for that, and then if you want to stay with us extra long, this special Halloween episode that I know we are delivering on Halloween, so you're probably getting it then or probably after, really, we uh, we just let the mic go, and we gave you a preview of what it's like. This is how we talk before and after shows. This is an after show portion, and then I stuck in one extra bonus for all you dedicated listeners. If you really want to go deep... Click on my profile in Instagram and follow the link in my profile, and you got some special audio content, only about 10 minutes. Uh, We talk about what it is in the episode, so if you were excited for that, when you hear it, you'll know. Ah, remember to go to my profile and uh, go ahead and click that and see if that's something that interests you. Anyways, happy Halloween, happy collecting, and happy hunting. Hope you're all doing well, and... uh, You know what we always say, actually only what I say, you know, if you like what we're doing and you like what the show is, then go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. And then, you know, if you want to recommend us someone, tell your mom. That's what Tyler would tell you. I would say, tell your other collector friends. Anyways, that's it. Thanks so much. And here we go. I bought the Black Cauldron. On TRS-80? Uh, actually, I think I got the DOS version. Oh, all right. Cool. You got it because yeah. Disney blackballs the Black Cauldron, and you wouldn't want a controversial that, Disney game. That can't still be true. Is that yeah. still true? Isn't it, isn't it on Plus? I don't know if it's on Plus. I mean, maybe it's maybe you could watch it, but like, they, do they have like theme park rides around it still? They, I mean, there's like pins. They, they, they acknowledge it, but they don't. They don't heavily market it. They realize that in not marketing it, and then now marketing it a little, Ooh. that they can like make they, it, a lot it's of. It's got money. a cult status. Yep. Uh, but also, they realize that they fucked up really bad, and they're hoping they still have the rights to it because uh, a fantasy series that goes like five books seems pretty solid nowadays. You should just lead in the episode with this conversation. You know who else figured out that if they uh, artificially limit something, or at least say that they're going to, they can create mass hysteria. Analog? I think it's Ninte- Nintendo. It's Nintendo. Is it Nintendo? And also then analog. analog just followed. Analog is garbage. They are awful. Actually, you know what? They are great people, and then as soon as they ship me my f***ing mini-NT, then they're garbage. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't really have anything against the people, but the, the practice of it and just... The idea of it. I just want to be able to dump my NES games. That's all I want. What do you? All what? I want. You're just like waiting for it to ship, or what? Was it broken? No, no, no. They, they did a, another run that ships uh, next month. Oh, all right. So why are you mad at them? I bought one of those too. Cool. But why? Because I've only got three or four NESs hooked up in my house. I need another NES. Yeah. 
I have, a, I have a legitimate reason. They because you can because you can jailbreak them and they can uh, be used to dump cartridges. Yeah, Johnny, I'll never do that because probably any cartridge I'd yeah. want to dump would be like some weird homebrew and it wouldn't support. Tyler it has no reason. I have a legitimate reason. Yeah. Boo those men. I like I like the Nintendo, Johnny. I just I like the Nintendo. Aren't I don't you the like guy who, when they no, 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 when they're no, like, hey guys. No. What? No. I reject all of this because you were just telling me the other day that you couldn't fathom being one of those people who only collected one system. Yeah, I'm not a person who collects one system, but if I did have to pick a favorite, it's NES. So I can okay. own five different types of NESs in my house. But aren't you the guy who always says, play it on the original hardware, as long as bullshit, blah, blah, blah. You're that guy, and now you're just out here buying one of these uh, repro consoles? Yeah, how come you don't care about first print consoles, bro? Yeah. I gotta run one Magnavox Odyssey, and I'm looking for a low serial number Atari 2600. Oh, but I, hey, also, I, I mainly play NES on my AVS. I so. have a very low serial Virtual Boy, if well, you want. I'm pretty sure every serial on a Virtual Boy is a low serial. Incorrect. <laughs> because the white whales that are that have like the all white packaging that were used as uh, kiosk heads, those were first run. Wow. So all of them, all of them have lowest lower serial numbers than any production uh, Virtual Boy. Fun fact. We are coming out the gate here with uh, some pretty good info if you want to did you guys actually count it off did, are we actually we no hey welcome back to uh, another episode of collector's quest i'm tyler here with johnny and step and we're talking about virtual boy kiosks what's going on guys <laughs> no we, that's not what we we're talking about do it over oh man <laughs> what are you talking the, about? no no the people can hear what you said that is what we we're talking about in this second but that's not what the episode's about why do we always do this to the people why why don't we ever just tell them what the episode is about about castlevania we're doing a castlevania retrospective we're going to talk about our childhood experiences no. growing up with the castlevania games and opening it on christmas morning and smelling that hang tab <laughs> smelling the hang tab <laughs> that is Sounds please like don't that. turn us off that we're actually talking about collecting uh castlevania games yeah we're not just gonna say hey guys castlevania is good <laughs> we've already made fun of castlevania retrospectives like literally like three episodes ago Johnny, Did that actually like make it. it on the podcast? I'm pretty sure that made it on the podcast. If it didn't, hey sure. guys, we made fun of Castlevania retrospectives pretty yeah. recently. Oh man, you, if you were a patron, you would have got to hear all that hot talk. <laughs> also, there's no Patreon. There is, coming soon. Only fans as People well. People really like 20, us 21. talking about nothing. Uh, see, I, I think they just indulge us because what what is their recourse? We, we're I, going to do it. They might I as really, well just embrace it. I really wanted to talk about the fact that I ate half a pumpkin pie today, and now I don't get to because we went right. You into just did the well. Oh, well, I'm sad that I don't get to <laughs> uh, talk about yeah. how I ate half a pumpkin pie. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone wants did. to know. That's yeah. my reverse psychology, Johnny. I, I think if you're sad, it's probably your sugar crashing, and uh, it's messing with your mood. Well, where should I go if I'm sad, Johnny? Uh, well, there's a place <laughs> on the internet called Facebook, which will make you sad just for being there. But if you need a dark little corner to cry in, uh, please visit Pirates of Dark Water Rules. Uh, that's a little place where you can go to be sad with other sad people. So I feel like we haven't plugged that in a while. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there. I still get requests for entry like two a week. <laughs> so pretty good. People, it's just random people, people typing in Pirates of Dark Water like, does anyone still care? 
I think it is. I think there's a few people on there who have no idea that that is. Uh, we are a oh, gaming I, podcast I that just happens to few. like Pirates of Dark Water. <laughs> so you know, one of these days we really are going to do that podcast. We we definitely are. I mean, there's not many episodes because they didn't finish it. <laughs> okay, uh, so we are going to talk about Castlevania. We are going to talk about some collectible Castlevania games, so you could consider this the how you want to, how you want to, so you want to collect Castlevania. We aren't going through every Castlevania game. We're going to give some interesting ones. Uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, the big ones, so we'll be talking about hang tabs for sure, but we will talk about some foreign titles because people who are Castlevania collectors, they cross borders to get Castlevania games. That's just how it goes. Uh, because one of the best Castlevania games was never officially released here in in like its initial life cycle. We had to wait a long time to get it over in English. So that's what we're doing. Guys, do you need to ramble or rant about anything beforehand, Tyler? Hey, Johnny, how about Pokemon cards? (laughs) (laughs) What would you like to say about Pokemon cards? Um, I see... A lot of people on Instagram. I follow all sorts of collectors on Instagram, and I see a lot of maybe people who came in from comic books and sports cards jumping on the hot new bandwagon Pokemon cards. And I only bring this up because uh, just the uh, like a week ago, I saw someone selling a few kind of high end games and saying they're cashing these out to go buy like a Charizard or something. Good. And- get the f- away from my hobby. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is this is wonderful. People are are getting out of video games to get more into Pokemon cards. I know they're not getting out of video games. They're just going to have 7 million other hobbies and they're just going to chase whatever the hottest things are right now. But uh, chasing the dragon. Yes, they're uh, they're chasing that dragon and I'm so happy the dragon. Chasing the Charizard. It's so like when a video game sells for like $1000, it's like, oh shit. Look at that video game. Blows our mind. Yeah, blows our mind. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) You look at like a plain ass regular base set unlimited Pokemon card. And there's so many of them over a thousand dollars. There are so many Pokemon cards that were printed and they're selling for over a thousand dollars. There's like 30 or 40 Charizards that sold for over $10,000 in the past two weeks. How is that even possible? Because of Jake or Logan Paul, whoever that guy is probably, but still. Yeah, Logan Paul Bananas. did a thing, and he spent a lot of money, and it cre- created a Pokemon craze, and I, I don't care about it at all. Whatever. I, You guys love Pokemons? Cool. You know what it's going to do? It's going to affect the price of Pokemon games. Are, is any Pokemon game under $100 anymore? That's not, like, new? Uh, well, if you go to our friend, Japan, <laughs> no one gives a because <laughs> there's so yeah. many. Yeah, yeah. If I, I can't... Well, the thing is, like, Pokemon is, like, 100% nostalgia. People are not collecting the history of Charizard. Because Charizard's from the game, and the game's still, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. They want the Charizard because it's got that big three-digit number. And as a kid, that made you the coolest kid on the playground. So now you should pay $200,000. I don't know anything about it. I'm, I'm, like, just too old for Pokemon. I have never played a Pokemon game in my life. Oh, well. Stefan, have you played a Pokemon you guys are so uh, yeah. old. I'm speaking to our audience right now. The first one that I played through all the way through was like the original Pokemon Blue. Played the hell out of that. Um, and then I didn't play through another one until for some reason, like uh, when Sun and Moon came out, I tried it and I loved it. And I and I so I played 
I played Moon all the way through. So of all of the Pokemon games, those are the two that I've played through. Nice. Well, that's far more than me. My wife has played through, I think, all of them. So, you know, she that's that's her game of choice. And she still plays Pokemon Go. Very My sad. Wife too. Although she sees it as a job. She gets, like, actually psychologically addicted to games. And she's like, I hate this, but I can't stop playing it. So, Gee, I wonder where she gets it from. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we know how you guys is relationship. Uh, Path of Exile, anyone? Call back to that. Yeah, you literally talk about how you only play games that ruin your life. So, um, any anything else we need to, uh, you know, diversify this episode with before we talk about Castlevania? Man, how about that comics market? You guys seen that amazing Spider-Man three hundred? What else can I relate nope. to? Like a couple viewers with. Man, those silver in- prices are crazy. Morgan silver dollars are up to like it's got like twenty eight dollars worth of silver content in them now. Wow, I got it. I got a new podcasting setup. That's cool. So yeah, if I sound extra great to you guys today, it's because I do. I do sound extra great. Do you though? And then I do. At the beginning of this episode, you're like, you know, guys, Castlevania is not a hundred percent my thing. Just don't call on me. Just I'll don't try not I to just talk don't talk with my no. sweet new microphone. I just I, I I just wanted to like peanut gallery this one is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to say funny things because I'm funny. Are you though? <laughs> just, don't laugh. Just, don't laugh, just Johnny. Just let you. him laugh at himself. All right. I'm look. Stefan has a job to do. And I'm going to let him do it. Uh, we, that's why we hired him. This is what we pay him for. We let the experts do their jobs, and we don't try to override that's them. That's right. I'm the Least relatable, most relatable one. That is my job. Is so, okay. simultaneously, simultaneously, I am the least and most relatable. I don't think anyone relates to you anymore. <laughs> really? Do you think I've lost that love and feeling? I, I, I mean, I think people like you, but I don't think, I don't think people are like, oh, a second NWC. I can relate to that moment in life. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, that's no. Fair. I, I mean. I'm at an extreme edge uh, of collecting. Actually, I don't even know if I am anymore. I think I think my edge got pushed so far back by people buying graded sealed games that uh, I might almost be reasonable. And Tyler's probably really reasonable now, like you know, as far am as relatability I, goes. Uh, I I buy a lot of games now. I'm FOMOing so hard, Johnny. You have no idea. I it's think like that's a, a pretty problem. relatable thing, especially of the attainable stuff that's still obtainable. I feel like people should comment what uh, which one of us is the most relatable. I, I think so too. Maybe that that'll be a poll on our uh, Collector's Quest um, Instagram page. We'll, we'll put up. There's never been a poll on that page. Just don't worry about finding that. I, but I am curious. You guys can let us know who is the relatable one on the podcast. Because it used Obvi- to be. It definitely used to. It was like squarely me. It was absolutely me. It was. It and was then, great uh, for a minute there, Stefan. Yeah. Yeah, Before I was something the went down in your brain. I was the window into the everyman, and then that just went away. Yeah, well, you were on Collector's Quest. We taught you a few things, and then then you you bested us. You took our knowledge and and became what you are now. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I, there's not a classification. <laughs> there's you're a not, super. Yes. <laughs> you're a super weight. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no talking about. It. All right. Um, I don't have anything else to add on any of that. Can we get to Castlevania now? It's a Halloween episode. This is this is our second one. This is the this is two of two. So you want to collect Castlevania? Woo! All right, I got to do something before we start. Do 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 do. Okay, now we can start. Okay.
<laughs> Great. That was that was some Castlevania noise. We won't call it music. I won't I won't Aww. be that generous. Oh. Uh all right, guys. Uh there's a lot of Castlevania retrospectives. People talk about Castlevania a lot. So you guys should know if you listen to the show, we're gonna come at it uh as collectors do. We're gonna talk about prices, uh, intricacies, variants, things of that nature. So that's what you're in for here. So I, I think we can lead off with uh the first game in the series, Tyler, tell us what the first game in the series is. Oh, this was a trivia question. This was a, This was your trivia question, and you got us. Akimaja Dracula, Johnny, for the Famicom Disk System. So I know we were only going to hit the highlights in this episode, but I did want to specifically bring up uh, just plain old Akimaja Dracula because it's like a $40 game. It is not rare at all. You could find it in, in nice shape really easily. And it's the start of the Castlevania franchise. The first print, the first appearance, key episode. It'll still be $40 until Wada starts grading them. You know what? It, Dennis Dennis doesn't listen to the show. F*** you, Dennis. Never grade anything Japanese. Like he graded some Japanese N64 games. F*** that. I hope no one wants those. Just stay away from all this. So wait, the important thing to know about Akumaja Dracula. So a Famicom Disk System game, if you don't know, it comes in a sort of uh, smoky outer case. That has a sticker like a plastic, on the back. Yeah, it's a plastic yeah. key case. And it's kind of see-through. And you want to make sure it says KDS AKM on the back of it. Because people will swap out cases from cheaper games with the wrong barcode on the back. Or the, or the wrong sticker on the back. And just because this game is so cheap, just don't put up with any of that nonsense. So you've got the outer case, the inner case, a sleeve, and then the disc itself. And it also comes with the manual and a little pink insert. So just make sure you get all that because it's really cheap and you can have a nice little Castlevania. Now, I have a question for you, Tej. So <laughs> if, <laughs> if that game were not cheap, if it were extremely expensive, would you have the same advice around that barcode sticker? Absolutely. Famicom Disk System games with incorrectly matched cases, forget about it. I don't want it, to. Yeah. No, forget it, about it. The barcode is unique to the item, so it's got to, you have to have the right barcode. Yeah, otherwise it's just like a completely generic box. There's no actual art on the Famicom Disk System game. You just kind of see through it to the manual. But still, you've got to have the right outer box. Like, I, I'm sure I have games that are mismatched right now, like some tennis game or something, but I try not to put up with that crap. Yeah, so now talk about the thing uh, that's <laughs> the interesting thing about this. Because, and people are confused about this. There's a Famicom Disk System, and then there's just the... The Famicom, which is a cartridge-based system. Yes. So, and they they are not the same thing, but there is a system that has both on them, right? So, yeah, the Famicom disc system was an add-on for the Famicom that plays little floppy disks that you could rewrite. They were cheaper media to produce than the cartridges, but then you have load times. So, you know what? Maybe Famicom disc system, not the greatest thing ever, but it was the genesis of Zelda, Castlevania, Kid Icarus, and Metroid. So, there were a lot of important games that came out for it first. But the, the thing that Johnny wants to talk about, because it's cool, is Castlevania got re-released in cartridge form on the regular Famicom, and that is a fancy, pretty expensive game. I went looking, and the prices were probably double what I thought they were. I think I put 300 and Johnny just upped it to 400 You put for... 200 100 to 200 It's actually oh, yeah. a 400 400 off. is, I think, the bottom. So like 400 and there's like a super nice one, like basically brand new on Yahoo auctions right now. It's going for 650 and it's still got like a couple days left and I can't believe it. Uh, it and is that's not on Yahoo like auction. normal copies are not worth that much. This one's super nice, but still that's crazy. 
yeah and it it's uh it is more rare it's more difficult to find the box is pretty sweet um and we'll just get this out of the way so uh as far as the famicom the as far as disc system games go one one two and three are all on disc on cart though only one and three two did not get a release on a cartridge just so you guys know that so don't spend your time looking for a cartridge for two because it does not exist um all right and now, uh, Tyler, well, let's talk about, uh, you know, it's called Akamaja Dracula, uh, but the series is, you know, pretty much globally known as, as Castlevania. Killer. Oh, no, not, not Vampire Killer. Whoa. Yeah, it's called Castlevania. You'll find some vampire killers uh, out there, but really it's just like globally, it's pretty much addressed as Castlevania. And uh, it was one of the big games to spike when uh, Hang Tab started to spike from non uh you know, non-Nintendo published or, you know, first party, not non-black box hang tabs. Castlevania was the, like, one of the first ones to go and uh, it, it spiked pretty hard. It went from like a, what was it, like 60 or 70 to $100 and then suddenly $1,000 tower? Or was that what happened? I don't remember them ever being 60 or 70 unless you're talking about some old, old, olden days. I remember yeah, Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. So I guess to start from the beginning, uh, the earliest prints of first-party black box Nintendo games have a cardboard hang tab that you could theoretically punch out and hang up the the game box on a shelf with. No one ever did this. It's literally just something that's cut into the box that was never used, and almost none of them are used unless some idiot kid punched it out. Um, a lot of people are have always kind of been interested in third-party hang tabs, so the very earliest uh, third-party NES games also had this hang tab kind of punched into the box. Uh, and Castlevania was always one that I knew existed, so I do not give a shit. Like, at least, you know, 10 years ago, did not give a shit about hang tabs or weird NES variants. I was still too busy trying to collect every NES game. But Castlevania was one that I always knew, like, oh, people want the hang tab on that, and that one costs a little bit more. But now it's like 300 to 500 will get you in the door with a punched hang tab. And by punched, I mean, like, the actual cardboard has been broken on the back, so it's not like perfectly flush with the box. Um, and for an unpunched hang tab that looks like brand new, like I don't even know anymore. There's a Wada one with a punched hang tab that went for $1,600. It's a 6.0. That is way too much. Like I don't, I know Eric uh, Excite Bike Comics and Games. He graded a super nice one at uh, PRGE last year. So uh, I bet that's long gone, and he could have got a lot more if he held on to it now. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's gone. Who knows? Maybe he has it. With the, you know, with the way things are going, uh, there there was a large run on Castlevania hang tabs. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'll see another like spike of them down the road if it ever hits. Um, You're gonna see the picture. Someone's get, someone has like 15 super mint ones. They're gonna post on Instagram like <laughs> I'm better than everyone. Which you know, yeah. it, to be fair, they are so. What are we going to do about it? I'm looking at my shelf. I have, I think, three hang. I have three. I know I have three hang tabs, actually, because there are, there are maybe two hang tab variants and I have an upgrade. So that's what I was going to say. What are the variants? Because you just said there's a variant of the first one. How how do people even know what this is? OK, so the first uh, U.S. print of Castlevania it comes in the hang tab box. It's got a circle uh, circle seal for the Nintendo seal of quality on the box and the cartridge inside the box 
I put big logo, I don't know what the commonly accepted terminology for this is, but basically the Castlevania logo on the cartridge is too big and it spills over onto the front of the cartridge. And that also pushed uh, the Konami logo onto the front of the cartridge. Uh, so basically at the top of the game cartridge, it's, it's, it says Konami in small text upside down. Um, so that's the, the first American print. And then there's also basically a hang tab box that comes with a regular five screw cartridge that doesn't have the oversized logo. So really you want to look for the, the oversized Castlevania logo on the cartridge. And I've mentioned this on the retro gem miner and I, I really don't know this, but there may be a tiny print difference between the two different hang tab boxes. So I literally bought a, a small logo hang tab box to compare with my existing box. And by the of course, I can't verify that these were correctly paired to begin with because these are obviously complete in box games. If you line them up, the art on uh, like the printing is like a couple millimeters shifted between them. So like they're they're from different technical print runs. It's just whether or not something was intentionally changed or it's just how the box was cut and that's just random variants. I don't know. Probably there's not a box variant for these two, but that's the reason I do own separate copies of them in case one day we figure out there is. Yeah. And then there are, you know, many revisions, oval seal, the white oval seal that you can find. And that will go anywhere from like 120 to $225, depending on, you know, condition obviously is going to spike that price up or down. Um, and there, you know, Castlevania, th this is where it starts. So if you start to get into, some of the other games, uh, people think that Haunted Castle is the first one. It's not. It Haunted Castle was just an arcade game. Ca it's Castlevania's is the thing. You know, Akimaji Drive. That that's it. It it's Castlevania. It's not the MSX one. It's not the Sharp Six X sixty eight thousand. None of those are it. It was Castlevania here uh, on the NES and Famicom. Uh, on the Famicom in 86 and the NES in 87, which is uh, where this all began. And there's some interesting, we got some fun facts. Stefan, I think you have a fun fact about the art, right? The art for Castlevania. The first Castlevania? Yeah. No, I, I, I was talking about um, Symphony of the Night. Oh, you're talking about, I'm sorry. No, I, did, okay. I did not realize. Sorry, Stefan, go back huh? to the corner. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, Stefan... Stefan can talk to us about the X6800 because that is, that's a, it's a port, right? So, uh, this was something that was not released here. It's not an American version. It's got wonderful art on it, though. Um, Pretty sure it's Chronicles, isn't it? Yes. The X68000 version was remade as Castlevania Chronicles like eight years later. Yeah. Weirdly. Yep. But it is absolutely the best box art in the series. And, There's yeah. no argument there. And uh, what you paid for it is still about the price. So about how much? Do you remember how much that was? Well, like two, three hundred dollars. Yeah, about three hundred, I think. Yeah. Still, so you can find that. Uh, you know, turn on your worldwide search and and put that in there. Um, that what you won't find is a functioning X sixty eight thousand. So I hope you're just <laughs> buying it because you want to have a pretty box. Which I all those Konami boxes, like not just. Um, not just Castlevania, but like the um, Metal Gear, which is a unique game actually on the uh, X68000. Um, and um, uh, one of the shmups too. 
uh, Gradius. The, yeah, the, Gradius. All the box art for that. All the box art for that is amazing on the X sixty eight thousand. But the X sixty eight thousand is like even broken is really cost prohibitive in the thousands of dollars. So uh, finding one uh, that's working um, is difficult. And then uh, f- even finding like a broken one to fix. Uh, and then fixing it is also a challenge. I know Jeremy Parrish has had a broken X68000 on his desk forever. And uh, and it will probably remain broken for the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and just imagine shipping that from uh, overseas or from, like, Europe or something. No thanks. Hard yeah, emulate that pass. Shit. Yeah, or just, go, or just go play Chronicles, right? You can just, you can just go play Chronicles and see what it was about. And it's yeah. It's I just not mean I'm. I, I meant the X sixty eight thousand in general. Like there, oh, yeah, there yeah. is some, oh, yeah. you, especially Konami went all in on that system. So there is some like unique experiences. Like I said, the, the Metal Gear made for that platform is is uh, is. They, unique, well, there's a yeah, and they have a special cheat cartridge because a lot of the games are hard, uh, especially Castlevania because of the scrolling is weird. Like you basically, the the scrolling isn't right. They like tried to replicate it. Um, on the same on the MSX, they couldn't. So on the MSX, you go through doors to get to the next screen. On uh, the X sixty eight hundred or whatever, it you uh, it has like this weird fake scrolling that happens, but really it's just kind of loading the next partial uh, of screen, and and you're moving over to it. It's really weird. So, anyways, there's a weird cheat cart you could buy to help you get through games. Which, if you look on the the Castlevanias, some of them it comes in the advert that's in there on some of them it shows you that uh that thing you can go buy for like back then it was like fifty dollars to help you cheat through the game because it was too hard otherwise because it was uh that hard to play on the on the stupid machine i mean we did that with the game genie too it's not like it's yeah i mean it it's you know it's functionally game genie but like the fact that it was advertised with the game and it was specifically made by konami so it wasn't just, yeah, you know, it was like Konami was like, this is hard here, buy this thing. <laughs> so uh, anyways, there's a fun fact and something you can look for. Um, fun fact. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some more fun facts. Uh, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, uh, a game that I can't tell you the Japanese title of. It's like, it, it, I will just butcher it and be unkind to it. Tower, do you want to take a stab at it? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> So it's like basically, if you're looking for it, uh, it's Akumaja Dracula, Dracula, No Nori or something. I, uh, anyways, uh, you can look it up. Use Google. You can find it yourself, uh, and I won't destroy the pronunciation of it to anyone who who has ears that can hear uh, Japanese language. Uh, I don't want to offend them. So. The interesting thing about this one, and this is, I, I was blowing Tyler's mind earlier with this. So. On the Famicom disk system, where this was first, it came with a card. Konami did this thing, and they released these special little, like, basically trading cards that came with the game. And, uh, you know, they're called Konami character cards or uh, Chara cards. And it's not like each game has one. There's 20 different games, and each game has, like, up to six different arts that you would have to go buy. So to complete this set is impossible. Uh, the cards were easily lost. They're just little art cards. Um, you know, they're pretty standard uh, Japanese-sized cards. The The art is by different artists for each one. It's not the same as, like, the in-game art or anything. Um, each one is a little different. 
you you see different scenes from the game depicted, like for the Castlevania one, there's one with the Grim Reaper, there's one with the giant Medusa head, uh, you know, him him with Dracula in the background, which I think is my favorite. Uh, you know, they're they're hard to get. And if you just go look in Yahoo auctions or on eBay, you'll find some with the card, but like you can pick up Simon's Quest for maybe 50 bucks for the Famicom Disk System one. If you want the one with the card, it's always over 100 pretty much. So uh, beware of that. And uh, so you said like up to six cards per game. So to be clear, we found a website that had pictures of almost every card. And then we saw like one game had five pictures of cards and like a couple games had one card pictured. I think it's very likely that every game had six cards pictured and there was just like there, every game was made with six cards, and it's just like, this guy who collects these cards specifically, and this is his life goal, he still hasn't found the sixth card for this game. So this is like a lifelong pursuit if you want to collect these cards. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how up-to-date this website is or how... I know, it looked like it, a GeoCity site. Yeah, it's it's tinite.com, T-I-T-H-I-A-N-I-T-E.com, and then there's, you know, backslash Konami character cards html so if you want to see what those cards and they're actually really cool like i i thought about going hard at it i was like man this would be a great thing to to collect oh wait contra is how much contra is like a 500 <laughs> game and i would need to buy that so if it's got the card it's going to be more expensive so let's just say generously 600 600 times six. Oh, okay never mind i'm out i'm out on the cards yep uh yeah, that's just if you and buy Castlevania or Contra, make sure you get the card. But other than that, this yeah. set is ridiculous. Yeah, just make sure you get one, feel good about that one, and then and move on. Um, maybe look at the pictures of all the cards and wait for one to come up with the card you want. Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It's not like you can just go on any of the sites and be like, I will be choosy about the one I want. <laughs> yeah, but maybe They're you just wait. not there. It's they, called like, patience, you will, Johnny. You have any of that that you can let me borrow? Uh, I mean, for games that I don't think will significantly go up in price, like probably Simon's Quest on the Famicom Disk System, maybe. You say that now, but it's... it's. I say that because I know that no one is going to go out and be like, I should collect all the Konami whatever cards. Stefan, are you in on these art cards? Prove, prove Tyler wrong right now. Say this nope, is your next... I'm... No? Nope, not in on it. Come on! I, I was no, it, I was interested to see I was interested to see if I could figure out who the artist was and then maybe find the original art because that's a Stefan thing to do. Yep. But uh, you know you know what cards you could buy? Pokemon trading card game cards. So guys, Charizard. There's fifteen thousand PSA graded Charizards. You look at video games. It's like oh, what's the population report of Sticker Seal Mario's? There's only like forty or something. There's fifteen thousand Charizards graded those will never leave the market they'll be here forever and it still sells for like a thousand dollars you okay over there man so some charizards i need to grade simon's quest in uh on nes uh first print had a nintendo circle seal of quality the later print had the oval seal uh obviously just get the circle seal i don't think there's a price difference it's like a 75 dollar game now which seems expensive to me but coronavirus I, you know, we're going to go, Tyler, t- what does Tyler recommend you buy for every game from now on? So, Akumaja Dracula, Famicom Disk System, obviously buy that. It's super cheap. It's got all the history behind it. 
$400 Famicom cart release. That's a no buy. I'm pretty sure that's only expensive because it's rare and because maybe there are some elitists who refuse to touch Famicom disk system and only want cartridges. Castlevania, I'm going to say your best bet is to go with a non-hang tab in really nice condition for probably one or $200 because the hang tabs are just ridiculous. You basically have to settle for a kind of crummy one. And uh, Simon's Quest, obviously, Circle Seal. And make oh, sure you absolutely. get the card if you get the Famicom Disk System version. But it's Simon's Quest. You probably don't need to go get oh, the first print of Simon's Quest. Tyler, I feel like you should, for every game, you should say, should they buy something related to the game or buy Pokemon cards? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't Like, well, our Tyler's recommendation to everyone is going to be go buy Pokemon cards and get away from <laughs> games and leave me alone. <laughs> Tyler wants you off his lawn immediately. You and see if Pokemon cards Charmander sold for $660 a Charmander? It's a common! It's a common! Okay. I definitely have some Pokemon cards to grade. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I Pokemon is, again, not... I have nothing to contribute. It's it's baffling to me, but I'm sure it's baffling in the way that video game selling for hundreds of dollars is is baffling to others. Um, except it's thousands of dollars, and Tyler's right, they are commons. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, okay. Look, Pokemon cards have no utility, like I guess the game, but that's not really why people like them. You can put them in the, the spokes of your bike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's real weird. Um, what are you gonna do though? There's there's nothing to there's nothing to say about it. Hey, Stefan, you can still do that. What's what? the uh, what's the remaining Simon's Quest piece that we haven't talked about yet? There's two, and they're they are up your alley. Uh, I don't know. I'll give you a hint. It's a big okay. cat. Um, it's a tiger handheld that you have. Oh. I don't know, you know, of the basket of tiger handhelds I have, I don't know, I just buy them and they just kind of go into the basket and I never hear from them again. Uh, I don't know, so I don't know if I actually do, I don't actually know if I do have it, but yes, there is a Simon's Quest tiger handheld. I don't think I paid very, if I do, you know, I I think I did get it at that Portland show where you were shaming me for buying buying tiger handhelds in bulk. Was I shaming Um, you? I don't, I don't know. A little bit. I thought a little I said bit. that was, was a good buy. A little bit. I literally would have bought every single one that you didn't buy, and you bought all the good ones. So, well, I bought all of them. I bought I bought all of the ones that guy had. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I don't think I paid very much for it. And but uh, but what's it worth? Yeah. Now? Why what why does that exist? Do not know. So there are a few things to know. There is. It does come in a big silver box, or not silver box, blue box, with the Simon's Quest logo on it. Uh, it'll run box you box or a blister pack. A box. This is actually wow. a box one, so it's a cardboard box, <laughs> easily damaged, pretty flimsy. Um, cost you around four, between three and five hundred. I'm going to tell you on that one. Well, if you just want the regular handheld, you can go pick that up. Uh, you know, make sure it's got the battery cover. What can we tell you about all Tiger games? And that the LCD works and that the buttons aren't covered in crud. Uh, you can get that for like 20 bucks. Okay. If you really want that, that's a $20 bill. The box for the US release of this is like overly large, easily damaged. The Japanese box has a uh, nice, tight, square box that you can get. Uh, it's not like overly large with a big, like the, uh, the US one has a hang tab, like a big flapping hang tab that just is going to be de- uh, creased and damaged. You can get the Japanese one like 
$250, and a nice box uh, with, with like, unique art on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tyler recommendation, just don't f- worry about it. It's a Tiger handheld. That's true. But you get unique art. And the funny thing about, uh, it's a game vision over in Japan, right? So what's cool about that one is there's a Sega logo on it. Yeah. Is is that what's cool about that one? Cool. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it's it's more interesting than not having a Sega logo. Honestly, the only hand the, the only LCD handheld I still want is that Pirates of Dark Water one. I've never it's seen. Been on it. my, I know it's been on my safe search forever, and I've never seen it. Now, if you have one, sh- if anyone has a Pirates of Dark Water, I handheld. will I will pay for that. So please, if you do have the Pirates of Dark Water LCD handheld, it's not a Tiger. I, I, I don't remember what the brand is called, but it's a European brand. Uh, if you have one, um, I will buy that from you in any condition. Anyways, if, uh, the, there's also a watch you can get, which comes in a blister, just an LCD watch. Um, is it a game watch? Yeah, it's a game or watch. Or just a watch watch? Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's a game watch, a uh, little LCD screen. And I, I don't actually know how much those go for, because um, I actually haven't seen any sold for a while. Hmm. Did Tiger hmm. make the Super Mario World watch, or are those different? Um, I don't know. Because it looks very similar, but it could just be that all shitty little watches, game watches, were the same. I'm looking this up now. Okay. You, Super you Mario there. World electronic watch. Nope. Everyone's going to wait while I do it. Oh, okay. We're all, we're going to wait while Tower does this live. Nope. I kind of no. want to go see if I have that Tiger hand up now. The, it's, Nell Sonic makes the Super Mario World watch, uh, yes, which looks Nelsonic. much... Uh, much higher quality than this shitty Tiger. Nelsonic also does all the like the Star Fox watches and the Zelda watches, and yeah, it's all the same folks. Um, also, sense. fun fact: the Simon's Quest LCD handheld only released in Toys R Us. It's a Toys R Us oh. exclusive. Put it on the Ooh. list, boys. Get fun that fact, exclusive, which also makes it the first print. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm see. I'm, I'm learning from from the gem miner. I'm uh, first Castlevania game released in LCD format. So you just gotta like make like every game has something that's the first about it. You just gotta figure it out and make it up. I saw someone called Kirby's Adventure the first appearance of the pink color of Kirby. Like f- yeah, <laughs> whatever. First time Kirby <laughs> was pink. It doesn't matter that it's like a classic NES game that everyone loves, but first pink Kirby. So, uh, isn't wasn't there also something weird about Simon's Quest? Has like a weird five screw? Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, this is like real information. We've discussed for this. Collecting. Yes. Uh, Konami games. I'm sure someone out there who's like a manufacturing nerd knows why they have incorrectly assembled cartridge variants that are extremely rare, and you'll see these with Konami games and Ultra games. So basically, you'll see games that, based on when they were released, should only be three screw but you'll see a five screw version of them and so uh, simon's quest is a game you should only ever see in three screw and last i checked on nintendo age when nintendo age still exists there were two copies of simon's quest that were found in five screw there may be a couple more now but um specifically when you're looking for like five screw variants if you see any konami games pick them up and i guess look them up uh because some of those five screw games are weird and should not exist all right. And probably Next. worth incredible, insane money now. I know. Uh, so I, I guess I'll, I'll just spoil it. Uh, Castlevania 3 has the same uh, kind of error variant. I believe there is one five screw Castlevania 3 cart. And that thing is awesome because Castlevania 3 was like 1990, which is 
way like well years after five yeah, screw cars well should have existed like why was that even laying around wherever that was manufactured do don't know but i have it uh, i'm pretty just sure kidding. You don't. I, I don't <laughs> um how how many shadowless charizards is that worth uh, basically, a shadowless Charizard is now the highest form of currency. Besides, of course, a first edition Charizard. So. If you guys don't know what shadowless is, on the border of the art for a Pokemon card, uh, <laughs> on the first prints of them, there was a little shadow that no, was only absent. on the first print of base set unlimited, Johnny. I'm I'm getting there, but they're just that. explaining I what love the that shadow Johnny is. is. Just like you know what I'm in. I'm in. I'm in this conversation. <laughs> Well, I, I had to look that, resisting. I had to look that up so uh, to know what shadowless cards were uh, a couple months back when I came across all those Pokemon cards sitting in my garage, mm. which I traded for a song. And I I hope I hope the guy they went to a guy I like uh, makes a gazillion off them because yeah. whatever uh, I traded I've got a fair value. That's the other thing, people. Uh, sometimes you trade something and then the value skyrockets. If you got a good deal out of it, you just have to be happy with that. You can't just lament that you held on, you didn't hold on to it long enough for anything. You can't live your life like that. Just gotta let it go, people. Um, I gave like I gave like nine thousand Pokemon cards to my seven year old neighbor. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't get a fair Yolo. deal unless uh, unless that kid uh, comes back to you in like twenty years. Like, I can't believe you gave me these. I sold them for a million dollars. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my yacht. Yeah. So I've actually got it. It's a, called the Bulbasaur. While, while we're talking about Pokemon cards, I have a childhood story. Uh, at a garage sale, I sold a Zapdos for $10 to a dad who had no idea what it's worth. And I think it was worth probably around $7 at the time. And he specifically asked me, $10, is this worth that? And I'm like, yeah, your, your kid will love having a Zapdos. And like, that is like I, the guilt I felt for for getting $3 on that guy on the value of a card has been with me forever. But now a Zapdos is, that, is probably worth like $300. So I want to know that that instance is like what gave you this like complex against negotiating price. Mm. Like it all, it all goes back to the Zapdos. I mean, did we just find the origin of Tyler's we problem? We did. <laughs> Guys, this is a breakthrough. Tyler's origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. man. Tyler, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, fun fact about Castlevania 2 before we move on to Castlevania 3, which Stefan will tell us about. is uh, uh, Sure I am. It, yeah, it has a world of power book. So if you are very interested in a world of power book featuring Castlevania characters like uh, Simon Belmont, you can get that and you can read about uh, the adventures of Simon Belmont as he is transported into our world to fight the fiend Dracula. Um, and how else? How else can they consume that that uh, content, Johnny? That will be for our Patreons, as I will do a reading of the whole book. And I I have begun. These two gentlemen on the podcast with me can confirm I have read it like I was reading it straight out of the eighties. Uh, that it is my intent to have it read like that. Uh, so hopefully for next Halloween it'll be complete, or in a couple of months. I don't care how much you have to pay to listen to that. It is worth it. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Maybe maybe I'll release the first part as a teaser. Nice. Yeah. I would do that. I th- I, you know what? I, the only reason why I brought that up is because I thought you already had. No, no, I had. I was saving it, but that's it's fine. It's like a hidden this thing a- that we published, I think. Or something no, like. no, no. It's it, I have it as private on SoundCloud. Yeah. So. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, maybe I'll unprivate one part of it and uh, release it for, for everyone. It, it's not like edited or anything. Uh, so uh, Tyler will 
Tower's not going to edit it, but he will no, put it. I'm not editing an audio book. No, but he will put it through his little filter for me. You said you'd do that. Sure, I could do that. Yeah, just so I'm not killing people's ears. Because uh, sometimes I yell. Uh, anyways, yeah, you can look forward to uh, Worlds of Power. Um, it's terrible. So just uh, enjoy the ride. Stefan enjoys it very much uh, whenever I, I loved it so much. Uh, yeah, Stefan. Uh, Stefan was my biggest fan on that, and it, it made me feel good that someone enjoyed it. Johnny, I'm always your biggest fan. I, I appreciate. Always. it. Thanks. Woo. Harry Potter reference in there too. Nice. Um, <laughs> all right. So Stefan, we're going to talk about Castlevania threes. There, you know. Uh, you want to tell us? Uh, I'll tell us about the Japanese one, then you can tell us about the American variants. So Castlevania, sure. Castlevania three, uh, Akimaja, Dracula again over there. It is an expensive game. It's like a $160 game. It comes, you can get it in the cardboard box. Um, actually, it doesn't have a Famicom disc system release. Maybe I said that wrong earlier. There is no... Oh, I, I thought I heard you say that, but I didn't want to call you out because I didn't oh, no. rem- know if I heard you correctly. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I'm just like going back through. It definitely does not have a Famicom Yeah, it does not. System. So it's card only. Uh, the box art on this game is sweet. It's like a, a more classic Bela Lugosi looking Dracula on it. There's like a skull in the background. Uh, but what is more neat about it is really the technical achievements in it. Even though it's like a $160 game, uh, the technical achievement in it was a sound chip that they placed only in the Famicom cart that allowed it to, I think it opened it from like four to eight channels or from eight to 16. I forget the actual technical thing that did, but uh, you got more sound channels out of it and you got a richer, more stereo experience from the music. So if you listen to a soundtrack, uh, and it's not to say that the Nest one is bad because uh, I, I don't know if it's nostalgia speaking. When I hear the Nest one, I am pumped. I think that sounds great. It's awesome, right? I think we all agree that's an awesome soundtrack. The Japanese one, it's pretty much uh, the same, but it's got all this extra. It's a deeper and a more rich experience if you if you hear it with, uh, you know, in, in soundtrack. So if you go buy like a CD of it or something, um, you can tell the difference. Uh, I'm not going to fault and say one is better sounding than the other, but it's definitely technically more rich on the um, Famicom, which they, it's this is something they couldn't do when they ported it to the Nintendo. So um, they had to kind of rework um, the soundtrack for the game uh, to a more condensed version. So There's something fancy going on with the American version though. Right. And maybe Tyler can like add to this conversation. Uh, but cause I know like they use that game a lot for benchmarking clone consoles. Uh, like, Hey, if your clone console can run Dracula's curse, then that means it's a, of a quality product. I don't remember what it is about that game in particular that makes it like sometimes clone consoles just won't run it. Do you, do you have any, anything to add there, Tyler? I don't know why clone you know consoles why? won't run it, but specifically in terms of the audio, uh, all like the probably older at this point uh nes's are based on an nes system on a chip it's a single chip that they make four billion of for 25 cents and then everyone can make all their little famicom clones uh there's a one of these nes system on a chips uh or nes on a chips uh it had some kind of like audio issue where like a zero was a one and a one was a zero and specifically in Castlevania 3, like you could really hear it's off, something like that. I thought that was the issue. I'm sure you could find some really smart technical guy who knows 
all about this and read in more detail than you would ever care to know. Um, but I bet you, I bet you, Frank Cifaldi knows all about that. You should hit up Frank Cifaldi about it. I, on, he, I uh, don't care. Because <laughs> why he, would you? Why would that, you play an NES that's not a regular NES or an AVS? I don't know. Well, he's the, he's also the one that, that that just on a tangent, real quickly, because it's fascinating. But like the NES on a chip is so economical that like a lot of the clone consoles, like the uh, for systems that are not NESs, like the, the a lot of the early like Atari flashbacks are NESs on a chip. So technically when you're playing those Atari games on an NES on a chip, you're playing NES ports of Atari games, which is a fascinating concept to me. That is really cool. Also, that's yeah. just the Atari Flashback 1. The Atari Flashback 2 is emulated. Uh, oh, is it emulated? I don't remember what the Atari Flashback 2 is. But it's not just that. It's a lot like a lot of the, like, um, the, all those Jack's Pacific, like, yeah. plug-and-play games. A lot of those are NESs on a chip. So, like, the, and, and some of those are, like, new games for those platforms. Oh, there's a ton. And so, Like, there's, yeah. there's more than, way more than people realize. I, I wanted to get really deep into it in uh, So You Want to Collect NES Part 2. And then one, we never made the episode. And then two, before we made the episode, like variants on NES went crazy. And it like feels almost dumb to talk about that instead of like, here's all the hang tabs. Here's all the stadium events. I very (laughs) briefly worked at Jack Specific in in QA. And I worked on a Star Wars episode three. Is that the one with Grievous? And uh, I I, so, yeah, I worked on a, a bespoke uh, plug and play game for episode three and it was a ground up new nes game essentially dude it's like there's like new york times crosswords random sudoku games uh there's still like konami arcade compilations that sometimes come out and there'll be like two different versions and the cheaper version will just be the nes versions of the games it is crazy how many like nes har- like if you count nes software in terms of something that you could buy that technically runs NES code, like, no one has a complete NES collection. Like, Braveheart isn't even close to a complete NES collection. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy out there. We love programming NES stuff. And by we, I mean Chinese developers who are really, really good at programming NES games still. Nice. All right, so let's talk, yeah. let's talk about, about Amer- Castlevania bit Castlevania 3. <laughs> uh, Stefan's gonna... That was, that was a fascinating tangent. Yeah. Stefan's gonna tell us about the two major variants of Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse, for the NES. Yeah, so uh, one thing, the, um, the the Dracula's Curse is the first Castlevania game to switch from the uh, Circle NES logo to the oval, uh, seal of quality, rather, right? Boo, yeah. Boo. Uh, which is <laughs> ugly and terrible. And then there's uh, this the red sticker that's, uh, oh, the, the winter trip to Dracula's hometown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not sticker, a sticker. It's, is, not a, it's not a sticker. It's printed. Is it not no, a sticker that's on the box? It's printed on the box. It's horrible. That is awful. Really terrible. I don't I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is awful. Johnny would have like uh, got some goo gun and, and took it off if it was a sticker already. Maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Um the other interesting variant, and that's the it's the really the PAL version, but um it was uh distributed by Palcom, which distributed a lot of it was basically ultra uh, in the European territories, and uh, they so the the box cover has that cool like ultra like letterbox diagonal letterbox look to it. I think it's kind of classy actually, but uh, but yeah, so that's a that's a big box variant too. Yeah, so not not a not a big box variant, <laughs> a big box variant. Yeah, so the thing the thing <laughs> about the the PAL one um, 
Like, if you guys don't know why Ultra and Konami and Palcom are all the same thing, it's Nintendo had this rule, a very strict rule about how much uh, an individual publisher could uh, publish per year. So to get around that, they made subsidiaries like Ultra so Konami could print more games and and uh, Palsoft. So... That, yeah, that's also the same, like, the story around uh, Tengen and the the um, the lawsuit around that where they wanted to get around the, the number of um, games made in a year. And so they, pret- they pretended to sue Nintendo so that they could get access to the, um, the patent information uh, of the uh, NES, what, what, 10, 10NES, I think, 10NES is the name of the chip, the 10NES uh, lockout chip. And so they they fake sued Nintendo uh, and got and then basically reverse engineered that chip so that then they could they could make as many NES games as they wanted unlicensed and then they got real sued by Nintendo for it. Whoops. So yeah. Well, okay, we're yeah. talking about Tengen though, not Konami. Yes. Okay. I'd- yeah, I know, but we were talking about the getting around the oh yeah ways Just to get around the dumbest the- thing because like. This policy was in place. I don't know how many publishers it affected, but like Konami, probably maybe the second best publisher on the NES. Like, who cares if they're making so many freaking great games? Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, Konami and Capcom were 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 the two, right? So it's like everybody. Yeah, else I feel who cares. like they definitely they definitely could have made you know case by case concessions rather than having this blanket rule, um, because yeah, I, they they had that rule so that. Uh, developers weren't publishing games to their platform but if you had a developer who legitimately was making quality titles more than x amount a year then I, f- I feel like it would have been in their best interest to just allow them to do that hey Stefan, i have a question yes uh you strike yeah. me as probably the the collector's quest host who knows nintendo as a company the best um, just because mm-hmm. you've interacted with so many employees does nintendo strike you as a company that will make case-by-case exceptions no, especially not fair. in the eighties. In the eighties, they were, I mean, they were uh, so regi- like you don't want to use Nazis, but that you know that's they were very oh, regimented. So I have a copy of the nineteen eighty eight employee handbook of from Nintendo, uh, and there is some like again not saying Nazi, but there are some interesting employee policies in there, like uh, it being strictly forbidden to talk about how much money you make. Like that was grounds for being fired. For Boten. <laughs> I should scan that and Great. pick it up. Yeah. Um Yeah. So uh yeah, they were uh that was an interesting it feels like just like every company, I think, in the game industry, which you know, in the in the early days started out as more art than business and then slowly became more business than art. Well and, um you know the, when when that transition happened to Nintendo, it was very, very striking. And it was it was for a reason. It's not like Nintendo was just this hardcore company. The video game industry had just collapsed, and Atari was the Wild West, and anyone could do anything. Like, people were doing crazy stuff. So Nintendo, uh, you know, in their minds, to avoid any of that happen, said, this is how things are going to go. We're going to control all these aspects so we don't get screwed the way Atari and all and television and all these other people got screwed. We aren't going to let that happen to us. So we're making a very strict implementation. So, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree that that was the best case, um, but it, it did lead us out of the dark times uh, of video game uh, publishing and out of the crash. 
and to this point where you know it'll get us to the point where Nintendo and Sega fight and uh, you know create their own enemy in PlayStation, which blows up all these uh, you know artifices that Nintendo had created for control, um, which is kind of awesome that you know it's how empires fall. Um, not that Nintendo fell; they are doing just fine, I assure you. Um, anyways, back to Castlevania Three, real quick. Uh, you can pick up this game. Uh, you can pick up the Palsoft copy for. Uh, $200-ish, which is a little bit more expensive than if you were buying just Dracula's Curse on the NES. But that, that price fluctuates. It's about $150, but if you want one with the first print with the stupid Dracula's Hometown label on it, that, that runs a little more. But the second print of it, or you know, subsequent prints, doesn't have that uh, contest info on it, and it's actually a better-looking box. So... Uh, you sometimes see that uh, nicer, like a very mint, like when you have two mint copies going up against each other, the Dracula's Curse uh, box has been, uh, the one without the red seal has been uh, winning until just recently. And Tyler can tell us uh, what what recent notation uh, caught some collector's eyes. It's an insert that uh, has made people started to pay a little more for Dracula's Curse. Uh, the first print. What? The freaking contest thing that's advertised yes. on the front of the box? Yeah. Yes. The, but there's an <laughs> it's insert. Like it's basically a registration card that uh, yep. I guess people sent in or lost. But I mean, like all NES contents, you know, you're going to be missing posters. You're going to be missing registration cards. So uh, to the Tyler recommendation, I say get the first print Castlevania 3 and get the little registration card with it. But you are going to pay there's for also- that. You're going to pay for it. Like, no, you're not. You're going like, to find it. You're going to find it? it? You, you I don't, don't know. Think? Let's go find it. There's one, on, there's one on eBay. Buy it now for $500 right now. Don't buy that. Just wait for one to come up that's like a little bit more than whatever they go for. Yeah, like, but you can get a regular, like, decent shape one for like $180, $160. So we so haven't been discussing sealed prices, but the weird thing... Like, I, I don't know. I, I obviously I follow this this heritage madness. Um, Castlevania three, probably a top five NES game for me. It is incredible. And technically, it's just absolutely amazing game. Um, they like not not selling for over a thousand dollars, like a really nice one went for some crazy one in twenty nineteen. But like seven hundred to twelve hundred, I think that's from memory. Like, uh, so don't pay $500 for a complete box one with the, the little card when you can get a sealed one, which will be part of your investment portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Two, so two more things that I want to mention about this game. Uh, one about the Palcom copy. As I'm going through screenshots, I'm realizing, uh, not screenshots, uh, shots of the, of the cover. Um, I'm realizing there's at least... Uh, one variant of the Palcom copy. There's, uh, I'm not sure which one is first, but on the front of the box, there's this big, ugly, white rectangle that says distributed by Konami, uh, and there is a variant of it that uh, does not have yeah. that big, ugly, white yeah. label. Yeah, Stefan, um, that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about PAL variants on the Collector's Quest. This is probably a right. first. We've never done this. That's <laughs> right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is just a bit more of a fun fact. This is also the game where the storyline is loosely what they used for the Netflix animated series. So if you uh, if you love that show 
or are thinking about uh, watching it, then maybe you want to play uh, Dracula's Curse. Why? I mean, it's also widely considered the best of the first three Castlevanias. I don't agree with that, but that's... Uh, I think people fight between one and three, and yeah, no one considers yeah, Simon's Quest, like weirdos I, and I. I have like weird nostalgia, not weird nostalgia goggles. I mean, we all have nostalgia goggles, but I have nostalgia goggles for that first game. I can't tell you that it's a better game than three, but I, I, I adore it more. See, and I'm going to say the same thing. And Tyler's, I, we know I'm not a hipster, but I, I very much like Castlevania two the best. I, I love Castlevania. Look, I love all three of them. So it's not like get out of here with your hot takes. It's not a hot take. I've said this before. <laughs> I've been saying I love Castlevania too. It was like one of those games that was so ridiculously hard, and you know what an well horrible night to have a curse like that just sunk with sunk in with me. And I was playing, and you know the part that got everyone where you stupid crouch by the lake. No one knows to do this. Um, and I was well, nothing in the game even hints. At no, no, it's it's ridiculous. It, it's it's almost unplayable. It, it's such a, a mistake. But um, when I was a kid, I accidentally knelt there. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it it happened like magic for me. And like I played that game for so long and I was doing everything I could to try and figure out how to beat this stupid game. As a kid, I was so obsessive. Uh, about beating games like i could not rest or sleep uh a lot of times because i was thinking about how to beat a game and uh when i eventually found out how to do it um you know and it was by accident i you know it forever stuck with me so it's more the experience than necessarily the game so I, i think people can relate to that and i think maybe the uh konami one the distributed by konami for the uh palcom release it might be the pal b is uh got that logo on it maybe hmm. maybe pal b maybe like for people who don't know there's multiple territories i i'm seeing a b without never yeah. mind i was i was just taking a stab now i looked and nope okay nope. both both of my bees i don't know why <laughs> that is but don't get the one with the stupid konami box on it. it's real ugly yeah it's ugly i even if it, even if even if even if that is the first print i don't care it's ugly. Oh, don't do it. Oof, don't, God, what if it is the first one? Hot part? take, just don't buy PAL games. It runs about 50 hertz. It's probably, if you play it, you'll be like, why is this weird and slow motion and wrong? Unless it's stadium events, then you should definitely buy a PAL view copy. Mm, no. We don't settle uh, no. on the collector's quest. We only buy the best. Oh, don't we? we don't we? Don't we? We settle? settle all the time. We are. Uh, Johnny, we Johnny, do we not settle we, all the we time? Are Amer- <laughs> yeah, we are American <laughs> settlers is what we are. We Absolutely. Found a Manifest destiny to get every game, no matter what the condition. <laughs> Yep. So we have we have settled hardcore. We are we are original nest settlers here. All right. Um Mal, we've been talking about lo- about Castlevania no, for a long time. No, let's keep talking about the NES games. What? I and think Simon's Quest is the hardest NES game there is, Johnny. No way. It it so everybody knows about uh Deborah Cliff. You have to crouch there with the red orb. Like that's it's like a weird it's like almost like doki doki panic is super mario brothers 2 it's just like this trivia bit in gaming because it's the most bullshit thing so kind of ironically everybody knows about it but if you sat someone down in front of any nes game i think castlevania 2 would be the one that's the hardest to beat because someone can sit for a hundred hours after playing akari warriors for a hundred hours you'll eventually learn how to beat akari warriors but i think you could potentially never beat castlevania 2 hmm but I mean, it's hard but to test because literally everybody already knows how to do it. I mean, is that? But that doesn't make the game hard, right? That just makes the game bullshit. That's a bullshit moment. I mean, but the rest sure. of the game isn't hard, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that's what I'm like saying. Like you die like, in Castlevania too. It's like 
You're back. Castle, whatever. <laughs> Castlevania one Medusa heads are the most bull thing in gaming ever. Like bull. Oh my god, they're so terrible. They like are completely just, predictable and shut up. No, no, I'm not. Look. They they are completely predictable until you have to jump into like an, where the screen needs to shift and then suddenly they're yeah. just underneath you. It's bullshit. Uh, it's bullshit. that and the fucking the 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 uh the the Igor that's with uh, the Frankenstein. That guy too. You know the only thing more bullshit than Medusa heads in Castlevania are uh, blind pit drops in Mega Man. What about blind yeah. pit drops in Simon's Quest when you walk over a, a thing and you just fall through the floor? What are you talking about? What about in Simon's blind Quest? Pit there drops are there are Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. There are blocks that look like blocks, but you step over them oh, and you fall yeah. through them. But, so you just have to throw holy water through the entire game so you know which blocks are real. But there, there's a way to do that. It's not like Mega Man where you suddenly where you're like, okay, you that game makes you jump down a pit. And if you just jump too far, you have no recourse. You're just going to die. You have to know to be to jump barely off the ledge and then slam left or you're going to die. That's nonsense. That's fine. That's, that's fine. That's Mega fine. Mega Man games are, are short. You you die once and then you just do it again. And you die once and later. then you just start over at the beginning of the stage because Mega Man is an asshole. Well... If, if you only played like the stage player. once, the game would be 45 minutes long. And you're a kid, you're going to play that Mega Man game 400 times, and you're going to feel like you're smart when you go down that Look, thing. Look, Dr. Wily is an ass. Come on. He is. Um, I thought it was Dr. Light. That's the first print, right? It says Dr. Light. The, it does. Um, uh, anyways, is it? Uh, we're diverging way too hard. Okay. Um, what other things should we, we know before we move away from NES Castlevania games? Nothing. Give me another game to talk about. So I don't know where you want to go from here. So I've literally just been waiting for you to interrupt us and tell us another game to talk about. Okay. Well, let's talk about some Game Boy games. There are three, and we we are not going to spend the amount of time we did on the NES games. Everyone goes hard on the NES games. What makes sense to talk about them the most? There are uh, three on the Game Boy. They were released in multiple territories. Uh, the first one is uh, Castlevania Adventure. Do you want to talk about Castlevania Adventure, Tyler? Nope, you can do all of this, Johnny. I... Okay, let me just tell you about Castlevania Adventures. Okay, uh, you've got a new Belmont in these. Uh, so it's Christopher Belmont. It's like its own kind of set of trilogies. Um, Castlevania Adventures recently spiked in price. Uh, I'm sure there are some variants. I have not like sat down and documented, you know, what's what in the variant. But Castle Adventure, Castlevania Adventure has been um, jumping in price. It uh, I think it moved, let's see, it moved up to over $100 now um, and, and climbing towards 200 So beware of that. Uh, Game Boy games aren't cheap, but I think we all kind of know that now. So there is, the, I think people like this one the best, and that is uh, Castlevania. Um, it's the second one. It's uh, Belmont's Revenge, just called Castlevania 2. And again, Christopher Belmont. And this one has been, uh, it's got like really excellent art in PAL territories uh, and in the US and in Japan. You can find it. Uh, there was, on the Wii, they did, uh, what, what were those titles called, Tyler? Where they, it was like Castlevania Rebirth. Rebirth. Yeah. Rebirth, yeah. Was it, was it just called Rebirth? 
because they did like uh, the greatest Castlevania one adventure rebirth yeah and I, it, looked, it, I took like one look at it so i'm a fan of the castlevania adventure or castlevania the adventure i don't actually know what it's called because the castlevania the yeah the adventure <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of that game, and I took one look at Re- Rebirth, and I'm like, nope, this does not look like the same game at all. It's pretty much the same. I, I mean, what what was your problem with it? You just didn't like the the layout. It's very much like the I don't, they, like, they were like, I guess probably I looked at a trailer, so they were like showing bosses, and I'm sure the bosses are like a hundred percent different, so they're all super cool and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different. I mean, it, I did I did go ahead and buy it before we were went down, so it's it's sitting on my Wii. Who knows? Yeah, so that's uh, an unfortunate uh, thing. Is you're you're never you're never gonna play it again because it's gone. And it was it like even in the new Castlevania collection that they released, that's not in there. So, so it's just uh, just gone forever. Why? Why Tyler? So they can bring it back one day, Johnny. That's how it works. What are you talking? Are they about? are they gonna bring it back? They're gonna bring it back. That's what okay. key. I don't know. They gotta bring it back. What? Why else would they? Why else would you hoard a digital game if not to bring it back in ten years and be like, "Hey guys, we've opened up the Disney Vault and we're Nintendo, and guess what? You can buy again Fire Emblem One, the English translation." I, I it's true. I, I'm, I'm rooting for it. I, I want it to come back, so uh, I'm willing to give them my money. Um, anyways, Belmont's Revenge. Let me just tell you that that used to be like. You know, adventure you can get for like a hundred dollars complete. Like I said, moving towards two hundred. Uh, it's been moving pretty quick, so be careful. Castlevania two though was a game that was like, I mean, they were always a little expensive, like you know, fifty, sixty bucks. But now suddenly, if you want Belmont's Revenge, it's uh, it's like three hundred dollars, which used to be Castlevania Legends territory. Which Castlevania Legends is uh, the third of the Game Boy games. And it's widely panned, and it's like not a part of the official timeline. It the Castlevania timeline is a weird thing. Go look it up. Go watch a YouTube video. There's a bunch of games that don't count and stuff. This is one of those ones. It had like a new protagonist, and it it just like it went awry from the series. But because it wasn't, it was like towards the end of the Game Boy's life cycle. Uh, not a lot produced. People used to think it was very rare. It's like a $550 game to, you know, between $450 to $600, depending on that rage on condition. So watch out for those if you're trying to get them all. And now we can move very comfortably into uh, an easy game to talk about, Super Castlevania. Uh, Johnny, just one yeah. more thing. You forgot the variants of the Game Boy games. Uh, How dare you? I thought- Dash one variant for... Well, oh, no, wait, you forgot an entire game because you forgot Akumaja Dracula... Boko something Kuhn. Kid Dracula is also a Castlevania. Wow, game. you're racist. Well, I, I was going to talk about like ancillary titles because we uh, didn't talk about we didn't talk about Kid Dracula in the nest section either. Uh, all, right. all right, Castlevania a Adventure Tyler. has a, a Dash One label variant. Make sure you get that first print with the Game Boy TM. You don't want any of that Game Boy registered trademark. Woo! All right, yeah. Hot takes. Uh, Super Castlevania. What what can we say about Super Castlevania? It's it's a great game. It's a great game. It's it's the best Castlevania game. It's that is not I don't incorrect, I feel like it's an a good ad, game. Guys, you have no idea. 
I hate my, myself. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is like a genuine hot Genuinely take think Super Castlevania 4 is <laughs> the best. I don't really like 16-bit games. It's one of uh-huh. the easiest Castlevania games, and I'm generally someone who likes challenge. I still think that game is basically perfect. Huh. Wow. So it's like I don't understand it, why. You think it's it. like the Mega Man 2 of the Castlevania series? Oh, it's such a good game. Yeah, I guess, I guess it is kind of the Mega Man 2 of the Castle because there's plenty of other fans of it. Yeah. Um, but usually people will be like, well, no, just go play Rondo of Blood, and that one's clearly 100% better. And like, I totally get where they're coming from, but I still like Castlevania 4 better. Well, I look, it's sweet and it's awesome. Uh, you know, I. Best, I don't know. It's basically a remake of Castlevania, but somehow it's called the fourth Castlevania, even though you're basically just playing Castlevania with uh, rebaked graphics, which is not a complaint because Castlevania is great, but it is a little easier, more more accessible, and you got like spinny screens and uh, Your whip is scrolling. way too powerful. You are just a god going through that game. You can whip in any direction, and it is so overpowered. But it, I mean, it, it, it's, like, it's like a real whip all of a sudden. It, you're not yeah. yeah, but you know one of the coolest parts about Castlevania, and you know Tyler, you're a big advocate of this, is in the original Castlevanias, the timing on the whip, that cockback motion, you can hit an enemy oh, behind yeah. you if you're there, like that. That whole thing, the articulation of the swing of the whip, is a super important part of the Castlevania series, and part of what made that game great. Like, it, you know, it you can't say enough about how important that simple timing and where the whip travels and like where it starts to where it travels is such an important part of the game. So yeah, that mechanically I mean, it's very deliberate that your whip yeah. like takes a half a second before it goes. That's what makes Castlevania cool. Well, and, and like the whip, it, you know, like the fact that it's behind you can and generates a hitbox behind you. Right. So if there's an enemy, like sometimes you'll kill an enemy that's directly behind you. I can almost guarantee I've never done that. I did not even know that. I've learned something about Castlevania today, Johnny. So, anyways, uh, yeah, whip motion, super cool. Super Castlevania, it's awesome. Uh, Here's a fun fact about it. In Japan, you know, usually they get, like, way cooler box art. Like, usually so much better. Here's one of the rare exceptions. If you go find uh, Super Castlevania in Japan, it, it has terrible box oh yeah it's pretty bad it's 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 like a goofy kid's drawing i don't know what happened like part the worst part is like half of the art is cool and then it's like they they got someone to draw belmont on there and it's just like they goofed it up it's it's terrible go take a look at it if you haven't seen it but uh yeah it's uh, it's like 140 150 game the u.s box art was painted by tom du bois who did a lot of the konami art and his uh, he is just an amazing amazing talent He's also pretty widely available on Facebook, so you can go say hi. Really? Should we do that? Yeah. Should we recommend I mean, our viewers just hit him up and be like, "Sup, dude?" Uh, no, no, no. I recommend that they go to the uh, original art Facebook group. Oh, okay. Where he is on, and then access uh, him that way. Okay. Because mm. so, uh, like, could you send him your box to get it signed? Could you get it? Probably. I know, like, Brandon uh, actually, like went and like hung out with him and he like drew sparkster yeah, for him pretty awesome yeah so yeah he's a good guy he's a good guy he did uh turtles in time and uh basically all the konami art that you give a shit but, about, i mean he's an amazing like, artist right so like it's just yeah. oh yeah call a spade a spade it's like incredible. just so good and uh there's so much that is so bad like especially on super nintendo 
but this one uh, doesn't miss. If you're curious about the PAL art, why we didn't talk about it, it's the same thing uh, as the um, the Super Nintendo, except that it's in a silver box. So if you like that silver box aesthetic, you can check that out. So uh, there was one more Oops. Castlevania, though, on... Uh, on well, the just Super to get Nintendo. the collecting uh, info out, did we talk about the Made in Japan versus oh, Majesco no. release on that? I mean, we've talked about that. Ab- just to yeah. get the collecting info. We, we I ha- well, I don't well, know. No, 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 we've talked about that. Ab- we've talked about it a lot, but uh, refresh everyone. All right. Yeah, I mean, not everyone listens to every episode. That's true. So, Fair. Super Castlevania 4. Well, and this is the Castlevania episode, so it's not, I'm not going to be like, no, I want to talk about this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first release of Super Castlevania 4 and the first release of many Super Nintendo games. Uh, it has Made in Japan printed on the back of it. And then later re-releases have uh, Assembled in Mexico. I think, it is it Made in Mexico or Assembled in Mexico? Either way, assembled. it says Mexico instead of Japan. I think it says Assembled. So uh, if you don't know, Majesco, basically a game publisher that bought the rights to republish old games and they used much cheaper components and they're 100% not the versions of games you want just because everything about them feels cheaper. Uh, labels, paper quality, things like that. Um, and then two more things. Uh, one, Super Castlevania 4 is actually pretty common sealed. The Majesco version is. Um, so if you are looking for sealed games, you really got to make sure to not get the Majesco version. Um, also, it is one of the Majesco white label games. And I have I was about seen to ask. it a couple times. Um, so it exists like there are some like that are in- unfathomably rare. Like I've seen them on a list, but I've never actually seen them. But I have seen this one exist somewhere. So uh, go have fun looking for it, that. I guess it's I on. Think it, it's on eBay. It's on eBay right now. You could get it oh. for uh, three hundred dollars or best offer if you really wanted it. Because it's spicy. It's, it's one best th- offer for sixty bucks. Yeah, I mean, there's also one uh, with no label on Majesco because. You got to remember these those white labels just peel off. So one of them is, uh, you know, two hundred seventy nine dollars. It, it's a crazy price for an ugly ass label. I was gonna say also worth noting about if you are gonna go all in and buy buy up some Majesco white labels. It's also worth noting that uh, quote unquote sealed for the white labels uh, is actually just taped into a poly bag. Um, so yeah, so there's not, there's not a box. There's not any, the, the seal is literally a piece of tape in a, in a clear poly bag. Um, for people who don't know what the, those white label releases are, it was basically when Majesco was kind of getting out of the Super Nintendo game, they decided to dump all of their remaining stock into the um, bulk distributor community. And so when they did that, they just slapped on labels that they happened to have lying around and uh, and then put them in, in poly bags, taped them shut, and sold them in massive bulk. So that's, that's what, what those are. And uh, I also just want to say my favorite part of the Majesco White Label games is that they uh, either have spelling mistakes or abbreviate game titles. And this is just called Castlevania, which I think is delightfully incorrect. Yep. Um, all right. <laughs> Okay. Dracula X, though, Johnny, what's that? Dracula X, it's a really shitty port of Rondo of Blood. No, it, it's fine, but it is a port of Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood uh, was a Turbo, at the time, was a TurboGrafx-16 uh, CD disc system exclusive. Um, so... you Do we consider uh, it, is it... Is it an actual port, or is it like just a bad remake? It, I mean, it's kind of a remake, but... It, 
I'm not sure exactly how you classify these things, like the difference of port, because it's not remade. Like they said, let's take this thing and put it on the Super Nintendo, but they, yeah, yeah, to, they didn't just like port the yeah. code. They they actually like made a different game. Yeah, right. Okay. But it does not have everything that uh, the TurboGrafx 16 CD system has. Right. So uh, the Duo, you know, was a CD system that had better sound and had more room memory. Like you could do a lot more than the Super Nintendo could do. So if you are looking at it like they stripped out characters, they they, you know, there's changes um, because it's coming to the U.S., so some, like, nudity changes and stuff, uh, some spoken lines. But they just, like, the removing of a whole carrier, a character, a playable character, uh, areas of the castle. And it just, it kind of came out and without much fanfare, right? It came out in 1995 as opposed to, you know, Super Castlevania, I think, was 1991. Um, yeah. So you have this game which releases like several years after. So it's not like a lot of hot, you know, take for Castlevania. It wasn't the powerhouse it was on the NES. And you're moving towards yeah, well, the it, end of its life cycle. Right. And 64 launched at the end of 96. So you're talking right. like a year. So, I mean, and Dolphin hype was already get, becoming real at this point. So because um, that was what the N64 was called at the time. The Right. Was it Dolphin? That's no, the Ultra. Was it the Ultra? Okay, it was Dolphin. The, the, the was Dolphin GameCube? was the GameCube. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yep. uh, Ultra Hype then was uh, getting, like, people wanted to see the next thing. And this was just another Castlevania game. It was widely kind of panned um, for being what it was, which was a bad part. It's a fine Castlevania game. In retrospect, like, people didn't want that because they wanted new stuff. But if you go back and play it now, it's fine, especially if you've never played Rondo of Blood. But if you've played Rondo of Blood, this just feels like a. A bad version of Rondo of Blood. It's still fine, hard- but it's just not as good. I wonder if there's hot take people out there who are like, "This is the best Castlevania." I I don't think so. I, I I like. I think you know because it's just a lesser experience than Rondo of Blood. That I, I don't think anyone says that. But if that's you, you should at me. I want to. Yeah, explain explain yourself. <laughs> also one of the one of the reasons minor reason uh i would pick super castlevania as my favorite castlevania game castlevania 3 is like the perfect nes game but they had a decade to figure out nes and make like this crazy nes game that technically takes advantage of everything super castlevania is like one of the best looking and playing super nintendo games and it came out right when the super nintendo launched true which I think it's is super practically cool. a launch title right yeah yeah I- Look, I'm not. I'm not trying to be the guy who says Super Castlevania isn't great because it is. I'm just like in the pantheon of Castlevanias. You're like, wow, that's a hot yeah, take. I know. I uh, mean, yeah. I, I meanwhile, forgot. like they did that. I was gonna say they did like the opposite with Castle with uh, with Castlevania X, where it was like, just like, oh, this is like we should have learned everything, every trick in the book. Uh, yeah, by exactly. now, right? It's like the opposite. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if that's fair because again, they they were taking it and stripping it down and making it work on on a system that just didn't have those capabilities. So maybe maybe Dracula X is actually a feat, right? But one, you start to compare it to the source material, and it's just different. Like the whip motion is different and stuff than than Super Castlevania. It doesn't play as a sequel to Super Castlevania, which is what people wanted. So you get this kind of failure of expectation, and then you also have that it's a lesser port 
uh, of a, a very good game, and you're just like, okay, what happened here? It it just doesn't it didn't deliver for any audience. If you take it blankly and you don't, if you uh, exit those things from from your life and you don't think about them and you just take it as its own thing, then you're like, oh yeah, this is a this is a fine and good Castlevania game. But the minute you know about those other two things, it just kind of it it weakens this one. If that makes sense, it does make sense. All right. Uh, anyways, this game is. I mean, the the price can be all over. Condition on this game very much matters on, on all games now, especially. But uh, you could pay anywhere from four fifty to six fifty on this game. Make sure it's got all of its little inserts, its manuals. The manual on this one is kind of hard to find. Uh, I, I know a lot of games come without this. Um, like I said, it's got a couple little inserts in there that you can look for. But and for five hundred dollars, uh, put this in the Tyler recommendation of just absolutely don't buy it by the PC engine game. Right. Which is, you know, better and less than half the price. The, the only thing when, uh, is harder, harder to play, right? Because playing a piece PC engine game, uh, especially get it on virtual console for $9 after you buy it. And you can put the disc on your shelf and look at it while you play. Yes. Is it on, is it on the mini? Did they put it on the mini? Run to a blood. I'm sure it's on one of them. It's like, the seminal, but I mean, like PC the actual Turbo Graphics Mini. Oh, I the don't Turbo know. Turbo Graphics Mini. I bet it's not on. I don't know. I don't have that. Didn't you buy that, Stefan? I did, but I just like literally put it directly into storage. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> anyways, uh, you can you can get like Rondo of Blood for. Oh yeah, so it is on the Turbo Graphics Mini. Has some PC Engine games on it. Nice. Kind of neat. Okay, so there, there you go. That's your best way to play it. I mean, there, so there there's yeah, ports that's, and that's stuff my recommendation. Um, now, but back then, back in the day, um, that that wasn't available. So, uh, Stefan asked us earlier, and he wanted to know. So this is his fun fact. Stefan, you wanted to know what a rondo is because you talk, start talking about rondo of blood. And you're like, what is it? Because apparently, we have a. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got really, I got really incredulous about it when before we were talking. I just kind of burst out and I was like, "What the f- is a rondo?" And uh, <laughs> I, I went in with a with a Lakers slash Celtics reference, and is a basketball player, uh, first name Rajon, last name Rondo. Uh, you know, and he's just full of blood. Well, I mean, yeah, technically, I guess that's that true, is true. Right? He he is a, a walking is blood bag. Yeah, he's a, a just vast- completely full of blood. Yep. That guy. Uh, I mean, his his RBC, man. Woo. Yeah, and it, because he's an athlete, I'm sure he's just like a very efficient blood bag. So, yeah, you know, anyways, uh, he's a, a two-time NBA champion, just won his second with the Los Angeles Johnny. Lakers, won his first with the Boston Celtics. That's interesting because those are rivals. Okay. And, you know, he won it against the Lakers, too. So that's like a big deal if you like basketball or care. Anyways, that's enough sports stuff. Then we actually looked it up. <laughs> yeah. The the actual thing it is, it's a musical form with a with a reoccurring leading theme, often found in the final movement of a sonata. Oh, okay, it's a music thing, which makes sense. Fun fact. Because as Castlevania moves on, Symphony of the Night, Harmony of Dissonance, you start to see all these musical references creep into Castlevanias. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Music, it's a, a music, Castlevania's had a musical theme, and they start with Rondo of Blood. Woo! At least in well, the there's title. Your, there's your first, there's your first for WADA grading when you, uh, yeah. when they start grading turbo games, uh, 
Rondo of Blood being the, the first Castlevania game with a uh, musical. How about title. just PC, <laughs> like Castlevania exclusive to the to the system, you know? it's. Uh, I mean, they, they can already grade it. It's just a CD case. It doesn't even have anything fancy around it. So just bribe Dennis 200 bucks and he'll be like, okay, he'll grieve. So here here's the thing about Rondo of Blood. Uh, if you were buying the PC Engine version, there are a lot of, uh, you know, Home, no, like, they're not called homebrews uh copies pirate copies uh one of them is done by like a professional oh, company i forget that company's name pc engine works pce yeah. works yeah, like yeah, the actual yeah, yeah. plague on the collecting community of pc Engine. right so they are just uh, a reseller that's been around for a long time uh making pirate copies of expensive pc engine and turbo graphics games and throwing them out with like fancy packaging. One of them even comes in a like the vampire killer case, and it's got like a stake and a crate. And, like at one point in my life, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then reason hit me, and I was like, no, this is just that's just garbage. That's not even a real thing. Don't buy this. Uh, so don't. And instead, just go buy it on the PC Engine. It's like two hundred dollars to go spend two two twenty five. Get the real copy of this game and never worry about it. Uh, if you if you want, um, there there are translations available that you could go find on Etsy, but don't do that. Just just. It's no. also not a game that you really need a right. translation well, for. I mean, there there are some scenes that, that are pretty important, but that's, don't do that. Just just um, go just go play it in any of the the ways you can actually go play this game. Also, we want to talk about like the paper thing. Oh, the, oh yeah, the sleeve. So if you are buying it, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler's recommendation, I'm sure, is to say uh, to make sure it has the spine card. Yes. Um, why Stop calling it a turbo game. You guys are so weird. It's, it's PC, PC engine, engine game. PC engine. I, it's just the same thing in my brain. I know. I'm an American, so, god damn it. I mean, it's important, I guess, because... Uh, Rondo of Blood has always been a relatively expensive game. It is. It's like a $200 game, but it's been $200 for a long time. Forever. And COVID-19 happened, like zero impact. It's just like one of those games where it just seems like it's going to be the same price forever because it's not rare. Uh, it's just that Americans want it so much. It seems to be that $200 is the price we are willing to pay for it. Um, so I would say get it now because relative to the rest of the market, literally Every single game in America is up like 25 to 100%, and Rondo of Blood is not. So relatively, in terms of getting a deal, it's a much better deal to just go ahead and buy Rondo of Blood right now. Yeah, make make sure you get the also, spine card and make sure you get the little... There's like a little white paper insert is. I have no... If it's a reg card or whatever, it has one of those too. Make sure you get that. Get it complete. That was also like the PC Engine game to get. Like, if you were like... It, uh, forever i feel like that it was like okay like i've seen so many like north american like complete sets and then also rondo of blood like at the end yeah right like it, 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 it's it's like the hot in you are game to get on that if you're a casual pc engine fan you probably bought your pc engine to play this game and only uh, this game it's, that's exactly it's, it's why the, i bought mine the, yeah <laughs> It's it's the radiant silver gun, and then you're like, well, what else can I get for like nine bucks? All right, I can get Bloodia, I can get Twin Lap. All right, yeah, for ten dollars you can Uh, get like almost any game. Uh, I mean, there's like some there's some really good titles on it, but uh, uh, Airzonk, the Airzonk. Oh no, yeah, I'm not saying PC Engine has bad games. I'm just saying if you bought your PC Engine just for Castlevania, you're like, well, what can I get for cheap that I can also play with it? So I feel like I didn't just buy this to play Castlevania. Yeah, but it's fine. You bought it just to play Castlevania. We all know. 
Um, we, we've said that one day WADA is going to start grading PC Engine and TurboGrafx stuff. And, uh, and we're all f***ed. Exactly. So if you don't have this, much like we talked about Medieval in the last episode, this is, this is the CQ recommendation for this episode. If you haven't bought this game yet, just go pick it up. It's the first print of the game. Look, and I'm not sure what the nitty gritty is on, on prints of this game. I haven't done that kind of research. I don't know if anyone's done that research, but uh, look them over. I bet and, Syphic knows. Uh, pr- go Syphic. Maybe. Um, I'm sure, look, I'm sure somebody knows, but no one I know maybe knows. Uh, so let's, uh, let's tell you to get it. And don't get one in a black case. Uh, I'm pretty sure they all came with white spines. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if you see it in anything else, it's uh, it's not fake necessarily, but they just changed the case. Don't do it. Yeah. I mean, All if right. you if you're a guy who wants some Instagram clout, uh, this is the game that makes you look like you know what you're talking about with Castlevania. Because everyone who's like a super Castlevania ga- fan, this is their favorite Castlevania game. It's not my favorite Unless Castlevania. Unless it's Super Castlevania. I know, I know. But see well, what I did there? No. As my, you said a Super uh, Castlevania fan. Just, uh, just Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> If you're a Super Castlevania fan, then your favorite <laughs> Castlevania is Super Castlevania. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even. I can't even finish wow. the joke. All right. Anyways, uh, it it's <laughs> that's the thing. It is also a great game. That's it. So it's not just like this weird exclusive. It's one of these games that's uh, a little expensive, but also awesome and um, collectible. It, it does. It hits all the marks. It, it is is it going to hit all of Dennis's four R's? No, whatever those. It's are. not rare. It's uh, there's a lot of. What them. about when there's like seven R's? Because I'm sure, like we're we're just uh, we're on our way. There's there's more R's every day. <laughs> it, it's it's not rare. It's not condition sensitive because Japanese people take super good care of their games. So both of the the the, the R condition is out. No, um, <laughs> and it's none of the R's, but it's super good. So relevant to collectors because people have basically wanted this game forever. And relevant to the public, I guess, because it's been on PSP, and I'm sure there's been other re-releases of this. So, like, people know about it now. People have played well, it. On the Wii, on Wii, it was on WiiWare yeah, for oh, yeah, a while. Yeah. So that's, it was $9, I think, on WiiWare. Yeah, it was a, more expensive. I remember being like, what the hell? I gotta pay more money for this? And then I was like, never mind, that's fine. That was worth it. Because that's actually the first place how, I played it. How about that Japanese Saturn version? Nope, not a thing. Nope. No, it is. Is there? Yeah. I thought that wait, was I'm only thinking, Symphony. No, wait. I'm talking about Symphony. I'm talking about Symphony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, don't, don't, don't do that. Make sure you don't edit that out so I sound like an idiot. Uh, absolutely will not edit that out. Don't worry. Nice. About it. Although when I yelled at my dog, you can edit that part out. Don't remember that happening, but okay. I'll edit that I out. W- I was talking, but th- it's definitely in there and you can hear it. Um, <laughs> because it sounded like Dexter was barking. Or Brittany. <laughs> it was Brittany. I turned the gain all the way down. I thought hitting gain zero would mute me. It did not. Uh, but then I did find the mute button. So yeah. again, new uh, new audio setup. So uh, let's see. Um, yeah, Rondo of Blood's excellent. Anything else we should say about Rondo of Blood? Except go buy it. Uh, uh, speaking of cool Japanese games that make you look like you're a super cool Japanese kind of guy, uh, we're going to give the Collector's Quest recommendation to go buy that $300 X68000 Castlevania, because if you want to look like you're a cool dude who has been gaming on imports since the 90s, you go get some X68000 stuff. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope, says the guy who doesn't have it. Yeah, says the guy who has it. 
No, nope, um, because I'm, I'm still. I'm I was half n- joking because that's a dumb reason to buy something, but not joking because it is probably pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and it is something I will own. So, and don't go buy it because I might have to go buy that copy. Just leave me alone. No, buy oh, okay. it. Yeah, I thought Collector's you already, Quest, do you not didn't, recommendation then. No, you the, didn't buy it already. The copy that I was getting uh, fell through. Oh, yep, that sucks. Uh, the MXS uh, version came so. I got that one. I just didn't get uh, the other one. A weird thing happened. I'll tell you guys later. Not for this episode. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the, the next era of systems. And uh, this is pretty easy. There was no Game Boy Color ones. Thank goodness. Um, oh, no, we can't. We have, to, we have to hit Genesis. We have to hit the one Genesis game. And there, there are some important things to know about the Genesis um, and Genesis slash Mega Drive for um, all of you people who don't just or originate from the U.S. Castlevania Bloodlines. There are three different style releases for this. There are multiple prints, multiple factories for these, but the first one um, is uh, the basic clamshell, as you've seen in all the Genesis games. So. It's bloodlines. The story is interesting that it it follows. Um, oh, what's it? What's her name? Uh, serial killer Bath. Is it Elizabeth Bath? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bathory, Bathory, Hungarian serial killer. Right, Erzabet. So uh, she is famous for being like one of the first female serial killers. Uh, she was said to bathe in her her victim's blood. Uh, you know, or just bathe in bathtubs full of blood. Uh, Fairly interesting, and there's even a creature that resembles uh, that that moment. They they show it in, in the game, so that's pretty cool. Anyways, there's a clamshell version of it. There's two different style cardboard box versions. So there's that stupid flip top one, which is the worst one to get. Flip top cardboard boxes are the worst, and there is a cardboard uh, the slide out box. So go get those. They are all of varying uh, prices. So you just pick like the nicest to car- $200. Yeah. Right? 100, 200, but like uh, a nice cardboard one is going to be harder to find than a nice clamshell one, even though th- there used to be a plethora of sealed bloodlines out there, like up to like three years ago, like you could get cardboard versions of this sealed. And then you started to see like lots of damaged cardboard ones. I don't know if there was just like a, a damaged stock haul that came across or something because there was all these, you know, sealed boxes that were just like smushed into the ground uh, that were on eBay for a while. But I think getting the nicest cardboard box version looks the best though. If you want to just keep your clamshells looking consistent, I'm not going to fault you. That's another uh, Tom DeBoyce cover, by the way. Is it? It's an amazing work. It's an excellent cover. Beautiful. Beautiful. The only thing I don't like about the cover and there's like where gets goofy for me is the very top like if you just cut off dracula's face like i understand it's supposed to be <laughs> his cape but that face is really goofy to me like it's mm-hmm. all like werewolfy and stuff like the rest mm-hmm. of it is all like pretty awesome and then you like also uh it's not simon belmont's face what is his name schneider in this one or morris it's the morris clan in this one uh if you removed john morris's face touch that up a little bit because uh, he, he's kind of got a goofy looking face, but uh, the Dracula face is kind of awful. 
but uh fun fact about elizabeth bathory i was obsessed with her in high school and uh ended up naming my first car elizabeth after her really Mm. yeah i did nice she's a fascinating character it's also one of those stories where like it was you know they talk about like you know high um not royalty but like um uh aristocrats being like untouchable that was definitely a um a situation where like legit like everybody knew everybody knew she was like murdering people and they were just like yeah we can't really do anything about that yeah no big deal yeah yeah it's fine it's fine she ended up uh dying in solitary confinement they couldn't even like they couldn't even kill her when they decided to finally do something about it. They just locked her up. Like, uh, you're rich, so we'll just put you in a tower. It's not like rich people have always had an advantage. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> Ooh, a little political talk. Sorry. Didn't didn't mean to insult the wealthy. Sorry. Dry your eyes with your money. Um, anyways, uh, you should also know that there are... This game gets different titles depending on the territory... Uh, for the Mega Drive in Japan, it is called Vampire Killer. Woo! And uh, in PAL, it's called uh, New Generation. But it's called Castlevania Bloodlines New Generation. Widely declared the worst of these versions. Like, you know how everything gets censored for America. But for some reason, New Generations has like a lot of weird technical stuff going on with it. So don't don't let that be the one you get um if you're picking one you probably uh, if you're like trying to be hardcore go for the vampire killer copy which i think is like a four to five hundred dollar game um the pal version is roughly 110 to 200 dollars too so it's in that same area as uh as the uh genesis one so go ahead make your picks there i i don't have anything more to say about that the cover for new generation and also vampire killer are very cool they are and the vampire oh. killer font is like all in blood it looks super hardcore it, it really does oh we didn't mention uh vampire like the pal territory super nintendo one like just real quick um for dracula x is vampire's kiss and it is one of the oh yeah best covers uh, like it, it is so good. It, like the art style is like really unique. Um, the Dracula X uh, Japanese cover also super cool. Uh, kind of the same art style, but it's like in this purple box, and it, it's a uh, it's an expensive Super Nintendo game. Like you're gonna pay six hundred to a thousand dollars for a nice uh, vampire kiss. So if you don't know about those, go check it out. The box is awesome. Beware, there's repros for the manual. And for that box, all over eBay. So don't if you see a deal that's good, just you know, just authenticate. Uh, and then if it's too good, it's definitely fake. So just ignore that. So uh, I'll give that one the the collector's quest thumbs up. Yep. But I'm also going to give the collector's quest thumbs up to Clamshell Bloodlines. Oh yeah, um, that that's the just in general. Well, actually, I, Bloodline's probably my least favorite Castlevania game. It's a good game, but I, I never come back to it. Um, and I, you you specifically mentioned that you think the, the cardboard box in mint condition is the cool one to have. Um, that is the one I have. One of the first games I remember buying as a kid where it was slid open at the top with the, the cellophane and they didn't remove it because there's some OCD kind of maniac 
but I have that, and I've been going through my Genesis stuff. That is one I specifically want to upgrade to a clamshell. Really? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean upgrade? Why aren't you? Uh, well, why aren't you getting both like a reg- like a like a legitimate collector? Uh, well, because the cardboard box releases of that game are Majesco releases, just like Super Castlevania. And as we all know, Majesco is garbage. You need that made in Japan clamshell with that. I was going to say Nintendo quality, Konami quality. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, it's just that I always thought you were a set collector. Johnny, didn't you think he was a set collector? I thought that I, was. I did, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused now. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> so if you have the Majesco white label Castlevania in the bag with the tape over it and every other game in your collection is complete in box, can you say that you have a complete in box Super Nintendo set? No, because that's not a box, that's a bag. Hmm. That would be complete in bag. <laughs> complete in you box slash say, bag. You could if you said if you said CIB, <laughs> then yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. You could get away with that. Yeah. I would allow that. Yeah, I'll, yeah. <laughs> Technicality yeah. police ruling. Yeah, I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah, I'll allow it. Yep. Guys, we're at two hours. Let, not, we, let's go over uh, like three more game stops. Okay. Well, we're moving right on to PlayStation. And, you know, here's where the debate ends for me. Best Castlevania game, Symphony of the Night. Not close. Uh, yeah, probably. I, I I love this game. I, I love it in ways that, like, I... Got my PlayStation, and I was fine with Final Fantasy, and I was fine with Resident Evil. But overall on the PlayStation, like, I was falling out of video games, but I was also at that age, you know, where you're like 18 to 21 in that range. And I'm just like, meh, games are fine, but I am now doing adult stuff and uh, girls and things like this. Uh, my pursuits were <laughs> my pursuits were elsewhere. Um, I'm sorry. It's just the way you phrase that. I'm doing adult stuff like girls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, uh, hope. Like, wow. Well, let's let's objectify. Let's hope that it is uh, adult stuff and not kid stuff, right? Because, yeah. Well, that's fair. right. So, um, anyways, uh, as as my interest evolved into other activities, I wasn't playing much PlayStation, and then suddenly Castlevania came out. And I got this, I was like, well, Castlevania, and it's like coming out in October, I think, so get this birthday game, I guess I'll give it a shot, dust off the PlayStation. Holy sh! I stopped everything. Just, just started playing, didn't stop, it was like, it was like waking up in your own funk, I like, falling asleep with the controller on me, just waking up and being, having the game paused and being like, and uh, yeah, let's continue, like just getting up, going to the bathroom, and coming back and starting over. That's the kind of session I had. Uh, with this game, I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, but uh, yeah, Castlevania Symphony that, that is actually, amazing. That actually sparked, and it's going to be a segue, but it's an interesting one. Do you guys recall? And maybe Johnny, this is the game for you, but do you remember the first game where you like completely disregarded hygiene and were just like zombified into an experience? For me, it was Chrono Trigger. I absolutely remember like just completely casting aside any sort of bathing first a number of days while I played through Chrono Trigger? Um, I would say, well, there was an incident with Shining Force, but I did stop to shower with that because I played for over 24 hours. Um, probably this because, like, as I was a kid, like, as far as old enough to know better, uh, probably this. Right. Yeah. Tyler? Um, I, I don't I had a bedtime, man. 
like the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> like I don't know, like maybe I played RuneScape up until the wee hours, but probably not. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I played uh, Zelda Majora's Mask in one sitting in college. That sounds. Um, that sounds like like uh, not. I'm not a speedrunner of Majora's Mask. To be clear, it took me like 24, 25 hours. <laughs> so it was a. Uh, it was a lot of Zelda. It is a lot of Zelda. Yeah. Could be worse. I don't know. That was just an interesting question that came to mind. Uh, Look, I'm sure people have been there. Anyways, um, it's one of of two Castlevanias that were on the PlayStation. Uh, It's weird because uh, it kind of follows the pattern of the Super Nintendo. There was two. One is wildly popular. The other one was kind of an afterthought that people didn't really didn't really care about, didn't really recognize, and came out kind of late. But Symphony of the Night is. It, it's been ported to multiple systems. There's many ways to play it, and uh, yeah, what what can you say about this this great title? Get a first print. Don't get the greatest hits. Um, greatest yeah. hits Symphony of the Night and Greatest Hits Silent Hill because they're like black cases. It's just they're just like the saddest games. Yeah, it's um, they stand out so much. Uh, I will say that, like, right now, what is Symphony of the Night running? It, it's gotten very expensive. It's, it used to be, like, not too bad, but it's gotten to be over a $200 game. What? Are you serious? Yeah, I, think it, I think it was, yeah. like, really? I was not I think it was prepared like, for that. I think it was, like, 60 bucks when I bought it a few years ago. Yeah. That's what so, I would have guessed it was at. Yeah, no, like, it, like, the, like nice ones, it, I mean, it. you can still find it for, like, 100-ish, 120 um, but yeah, m- many sold, and, and this might have been coronavirus cra- craze, but uh, $300 for a super nice disc. Like, well, PS1 got hot for a minute, yeah, in the, in the graded scene, too. Like, there, there's a lot of copies of Symphony of the Night, it's not a rare title, but like one sold for $240, you've got one that sold for $125. You know, there, there is some variance on this. Um, there's also like a weird soundtrack that came out for this game it's like in a demo sleeve so that's something to be aware of um it's not like there's no double disc pack of this it's just castlevania single uh single disc um single jewel case go find it uh if you don't own this i mean i don't know what to say it's like it's in like my top games ever pantheon um and people will debate this is another one that has a debate that like is the Japanese one better because the Japanese one on, on Saturn has some more stuff in it. Um, you know, parts of, again, runs like shit, though. Holy shit. Does like, does it does not run very well. Forget yeah. it. I'm out. All I care about is yeah. performance. Yeah. Does not run very well. But, um, um, the Saturn cover is fine. Um, the Japanese Saturn cover, but if you're looking for the best cover, let me just tell you, go buy the pal copy. Um, it is got a wonderful cover. It's got Ali card, like, you know, the sword into the moon. You've all seen that like piece of art, but uh, yeah, that's the, the cover of the pal game. The U S cover is a f- actual photograph of a real castle. I was going to try to impress you all and name the castle. I know it is a known thing. It's a castle in Europe. Um, but, uh, but I couldn't find that information, uh, whilst I was looking for it. So somebody can at me and tell me what the name of the castle is, but yeah, it is a, a photograph of an actual castle. Do you know the photographer? Are you getting the original negatives? (laughs) I'm sleeping with the photographer. (laughs) No, um, no, I, uh, I'm not that, that is outside my wheelhouse as it were. 
Um, what I had another fun fact about Symphony, didn't I? In my head, I don't know. Hmm. I'll come back to. Well, it. I will just tell people that uh, the most expensive version of the game, outside of like sealed copies, is a PAL copy. Uh, well, there's like a weird, like one of like Thai copy or something. There's like some weird uh, foreign copies of this game you can find that have like very low prints. You know, in different regions of Asia, where it's got like a unique print. But in general, the uh, Symphony of the Night had a limited edition. It's basically the same cover as the standard edition, except there's a big ugly silver seal on it that says limited edition comes with a soundtrack. And an art book. And okay, yeah. Yeah. So uh it's a uh, comic. It's weird that I don't like that version better. Like, oh special one. The more nope, not into it. I like the non-limited edition better because that stupid seal is just in the way. I remember what I was going to talk about. I just wanted to remind people, friendly Collector's Quest reminder, that games that are on the value, whatever the value uh, series is for for a console, in this case, it's the greatest hits for PlayStation. Uh, just a reminder that to get on the greatest hits list, you had to sell a load of games. So people who think this game is rare, I think I think threshold for greatest hits was a million uh, so there's a f-ing million copies of this game. Yep. Uh, so don't worry about, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't overpay for this unless you're like looking for it sealed or whatever, then do whatever the f*** you want. Asshole. But, uh, but yeah, don't, uh, don't overpay for a CIB copy of this game. It is literally everywhere. Yeah. Uh, that art I was talking about for you guys, um, the, for the pal copy is the, if you lift up the disc and that disc, the ba- rear disc art, I guess, um, it's that art for the pal that's their cover art. a lot better than our like weird looking castle i don't like it it's not terrible but it's like maybe it's the photo like mixed with the lightning and everything like just i feel like it had that had to be like a deadline issue they were like like something happened to the well, something happened to the painting and shipping or something well, I mean, they've got it and then but they've got <laughs> it on the rear disc card just bring that forward like put that behind the disc like that that that's a mistake to me it was an odd, an odd yeah. choice. Also, I don't like that Castlevania is red and orange on on all of the artwork in the game, but then on the disc it is yellow. Uh, what happened here? Like, please, some How continuity. Those monsters. Well, like, and look, you put your logo out there, like very specifically, and then when you put it on the disc, you put it in this yellow. They probably couldn't print that color on it. I bet, but uh, yeah, ugly, ugly dislike. Triggers my OCD. Now you guys will know about it, and you'll look at your copies of Castlevania Symphony of the Night and be like, "Oh, hate that!" I hope that happens to you. It happens to me. I've never wanted to look at my copy of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Now I'm looking at the box art, and it's like, "Oh, it is just a shitty photograph." Oh, the Castlevania logo does look kind of shitty in 3D compared to all the other beautiful 2D (laughs) Castlevania logos. We've we've ruined this this game. Like one of the best games ever made. (laughs) I know. Tearing it down. yeah, Yeah. Look, it's one of my favorite games of all time, but we like have to recognize that you want to get over this, just go buy a PAL copy and uh, suffer through a PAL copy. Also, uh, uh, Symphony of the Night, very historically important for being one half of the Metroidvania genre because it took the elements of Metroid and then added Vania to the end uh, because <laughs> Metroidvania games are just Metroid games. What the f- what is Metroidvania? It's just Metroid games. It's a no, Metroid game. No, it's it be, because now it's in a castle. So that that's uh, you know, 
and you've got spooky monsters, not space aliens. They, well, they, well, I mean, it changed the genre. It's no longer sci-fi. Does, but but it, it's inspired it's, by Simon's Quest, too. So is Simon's Quest the first Metroidvania? Well, look, we can get into this. Like, if you want to get into why I, I like I like Mario 2 a lot, I like Zelda 2 a lot, and I like Castlevania 2 a lot. Do you know why? Because they were the necessary steps. Like, the third game in all those wasn't the necessary step to to make the series actually grow. It was that weird like 2D element in, in especially in Zelda 2 and Simon's Quest that took it took the series in and moved it to the next level like it introduced the things that really uh changed the series as a whole Do you guys want to know a really weird fun fact about the uh Metroidvania aspect of this game Sure is that uh Koji Igarashi the uh the uh, not developer, but the 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 this was his brainchild, right? The creator of this game. Uh, he doesn't credit uh, Metroid as being the inspiration. <laughs> what an ass. He 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 credits the Zelda series as the inspiration. Okay, yeah. I mean, well, does it? Which is maybe something got mixed up in his brain. <laughs> well, you know, also yes. Well, like when you're talking to developers who like made something, you know, 30 years ago, then some things, you know get lost but yeah for for 100 years now he's been he's been crediting zelda as the inspiration it's just like he's like not, yeah and symphony Metroid. of the night if it wasn't for zelda 2 this game never exists yeah 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 yeah. no he does and then like people everyone just stops and like what uh, okay okay it's your story sure so if you guys are really mad if you hate simon's quest now is an all new reason to love it can That's i right. uh can i give another fun fact stefan nolan bushnell no uh, I forgot what he credits as the inspiration for Pong, but it isn't like Tennis for Two or the Magnavox Odyssey. <laughs> like it's some bullshit thing where it's clearly like, no, you just ripped off the Magnavox Odyssey. It's like the same thing. Nope. Yeah. Nope, or, nope. Like as if there's like some shame. It's like no, everyone would be like nobody cares. Yeah. Like fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, said I said Simon's Quest, but I said if you hate it should have been if you hate Zelda two. Uh, now you now you have a new reason to love it. Anyways. Yeah, now you, now you have to love it, or else you don't love. We Symphony should call it the, the Metroid Elda games. Castlevania is <laughs> really Meldas? a Metroid Elda game. Yeah, it's the it's Meldas? a Melda. <laughs> it's a Melda. Meldavania. It's a Meldavania. Uh. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Metroid Zelda mashup that will really get me to the next level. I'm looking forward to Melda games and uh, Melda Maker. You're looking forward to Melda Maker coming out in 2022. And and Zavanias, you know all the Zavanias. Um, to end the facetiousness for a bit, uh, not something we do often on Collector's Quest, uh, this problem has been solved. There's, the genre is called the platform adventure genre, and you don't need to link it to just two games that are in the genre now. You mean because other games have done this? And not only have them? other games done this, I'm, I don't really play a lot of modern games, but there are so many of these platform adventure games now. I'm sure they are nothing like Metroid and Symphony of the Night. They're their own thing in this entire expansive genre. Yeah. No. Uh, but you should definitely continue to argue about it on the internet. Absolutely. Well, that's what tell the internet me, is for. Tell me the genre is already named Metroidvania and you can't just go and rename a genre using the terms that we use for every other genre. Also, you should definitely go and remind Jeremy Parrish that he coined the phrase. What? Platform Adventure? No. Metroidvania. Oh, Jeremy Parrish, you're an <laughs> <a> <laughs> Please, uh... Does he regret it? 
No, he claims he didn't actually, but he was the first one to use it in an article. He says that he found it on a forum, uh-huh. uh, but uh, but he's the first one to use it in an article, and yeah. so I like to give him a hard time. Does he listen what? to the show? I don't know. Maybe I listen to his show. He probably doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so the answer the answer was no, Stefan. Yeah. Nope. Uh, so what I want from the audience now, and please, you can at me. Uh, Give me give me some genre titles for Castlevania, Zelda, and Metroid all mashed together, <laughs> but wrong answers only. That's that's what I want. Wrong answers only. Wrong answers only. So let's talk about the the uh, redheaded stepchild of uh, the Castlevania series on uh, PlayStation, and uh, that's Castlevania Chronicles. And I I say redheaded stepchild because there is literally just like the art is flaming red hair on the front of it. If you haven't seen it. Guys, uh, I don't think we even need to talk about this game, Johnny. But okay, it's really expensive now, so why not? We can just, just now, tell it me is, the price. What? How much? It is an actual. Sorry, it is an actual port of the X sixty eight thousand version. Yes. Yes. I didn't make that up. That's correct. Uh, you didn't. I believe it's a. It's two and a half D, but the X sixty eight thousand obviously is just two D. So uh, what? What else can we say except that it's like the often forgotten game? It's uh, was a game that and that. Y- you should have FOMO bought it when we talked about it last year, yeah. like I did. <laughs> like yeah. I did too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it was not $140 to $150. It's uh, like no, ranges it now like anywhere uh, from like $120 to $150. So in that range. Um, yeah, I think I paid somewhere between $45 and $64. Uh, I think we discovered the power art on that was super sweet. There's not a lot to say about it. If you don't have this game and you are a Castlevania collector, go pick it up. It is one of the more expensive, like all the Castlevania games have gotten stupid expensive now. It used to just be like, oh, they're popular, but they're so abundant, they're not really that bad. And now it's, uh, now every game, even Castlevania uh, Chronicles on PlayStation is super expensive. I, I What do you even say anymore? No, okay. I'm giving the, the CQ thumbs down to Castlevania Chronicles. It is too expensive Ooh. for what it is. It's, it's essentially a port and it's half the price of the super cool X68000 yeah, version you could get instead. But it's also uh, but except that uh, as I mentioned before, finding an X68000 in working order to play that game is nigh impossible and when not impossible, incredibly expensive. So, I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to give the these the the, uh, the CQ thumbs up. Whoa! Because it's a way to access this game when you otherwise would have a very difficult time playing. I Johnny mean, I think you can get the PSP version. Doesn't it have it on it? Ooh, I don't know. I'm not the PSP uh, and, guy here. And there's the Castlevania collection, which is going to come out. Unfortunately, like you can buy it on the Switch right now or wait till Limited Run gives you uh, a physical edition, which I, I will be buying despite my uh, distaste for them because I love Castlevania more than I hate them. Um, anyways. Wow, you must love it a lot. I, dude, I love Castlevania so much. <laughs> so very much. Um, okay, now we can quickly end with uh, the N64 and we'll, th- this is where we're oh closing out there's only there. two games we're just gonna we're gonna hit them quickly uh, well you might care about Legacy of Darkness but the first one is just Castlevania it's called Castlevania but really everyone calls it Castlevania 64 um, yep. it, it is a game that is not good it's the, <laughs> the 3D take on Castlevania I don't love it the box art is terrible. Like, there's nothing to like about this game, as far as I'm concerned. I didn't love the 3D overworld uh, whipping. I didn't like fighting too many werewolves at the beginning of the game. Um, 
it was nice for a while because you needed like you needed to pick up your Castlevania titles if you're a Castlevania collector. That it was like a thirty dollar game in box, and now it's uh, like seventy five dollars. But it actually fell into the sixties again in October, which is weird because you would think during October Castlevania games would spike. So uh, that's prices finally like leveled off and dipped in October, yeah. like across the board. Like things finally, yeah, they are they not are going crazy down. up anymore. Well, and it's weird because normally uh, this time of this, I talk about the holiday bump for for known titles. I'm not sure, like, are we going to see that or are we going to see an overall dipping as the economy kind of cools even further and aid has been like restructuring of aid for people who've lost jobs for coronavirus hasn't gone through because of politics. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's happening to people in their real lives like, are we going to finally see the thing we thought would happen when coronavirus first hit, where things cooled off, or are or is everything going to just spike again because of Christmas? I don't know. I like. I'm not even going to predict because we got it so horribly wrong last time. Uh, <laughs> I don't I'll know, John. It's been see. a pretty standard year. I think we could just look at what's happened in previous years. Oh yeah, like let's. Like I'm not even like the holiday bump, which is something I was talking. This is going to happen. I don't even know if that's happening anymore. So I'm not willing to put any money on that. Anyways, let's talk about the other Castlevania game on this system. B- before oh. we before I move on, Johnny, I have to say I did just Google. Does anyone like Castlevania sixty four? And multiple multiple forum posts titled things like Castlevania sixty four equals extremely underrated or Castlevania sixty four I love you. So there's definitely people out there look who like this those game. People- right. Look, those are wrong. No, no. Those people are wrong. No, what, well, I don't agree with those people, but those people <laughs> probably had an N64 and didn't have a PlayStation, so they just didn't know. <laughs> like, they were probably kids, and their nostalgia lives over here. Uh, but they're Yeah, it's like the people who like the uh, Star Wars prequels. Yeah, right? exactly. The, yeah. Those people yeah. are objectively wrong, right? But their hearts right. don't know that yet, because they, they, didn't, they <laughs> didn't live through the better thing. They didn't have the better thing, so they don't know. So I forgive you, but that's not correct. Get, and if you get yourself are right. the author of that post, if you're the author author of one of those posts, and you're listening to this at me, I want again. I want to pick your brain. I want to. I want to know. But I want to know what happened. But also, can we talk about how this, how Castlevania was a rush game? Castlevania, they didn't get everything done that they wanted to do. They just had to get it out, so they put it out. How do we know that's true? Because Castlevania Legacy of Darkness, because they made another well, one, they, which is a redo. It's not a true sequel or anything. They like no, went through. It's like. Uh, it's like, hey, we fixed some stuff. It's like almost a remake. It, it's a, it's a weird game. They, um, I don't know what to say about this game other than it is the more expensive version and the better version to play. Um, it also dipped. It, it, it went from being like a hundred and thirty dollar game, which was already expensive. It was kind of hard to find on the N sixty fours. Like to find a nice one, it was one of the last ones I found for the N sixty four when I was doing that set. Um, obviously there are more rare games, but I feel like how hard it was to find that game is a little underrated, but now I can feel like people are rating it because it grew to being over a $200 game this year. It spiked at like 276 and then people are coming back to their senses as it's took a pretty big drop all the way down to 221. Maybe people who were like, Oh man, maybe the N64 is good. And then they picked up a N64 controller, didn't know how to use it. And then tried to play that game and uh, had played any other Castlevania game and realized it was terrible. There you go. That's what I think happened. Uh, Well, Johnny, uh, I can say that I've bought nothing this episode, but 
I don't have Legacy of Darkness, and now you're making me feel like I want it. So I'm going to go ahead and create a saved search for Legacy of Darkness. I'm not just going to I'm not going to go buy it now one because that's ridiculous. These prices are dumb. Yeah, let like, and it's cooling right now, so let that trend continue. Uh, over the two Castlevanias, I am going to give the thumbs up to Legacy of Darkness if you're only going to pick one because it's basically the same game. Uh, like, at least, like, if you're going to play one, at least play the, the better, more fixed version. I mean, and you can argue about whether it's the more fixed or better version. Uh, people don't like something, some of the changes. But, uh, yeah, it, it's at least the more collectible version and has been always. So... Um, there we go. And that's, uh, that's like kind of as far as we're going to go and maybe we'll do I think, the newer stuff later, uh, another next yeah, year. I think there's, I think there's, yeah, there's enough, uh, enough left over to, uh, to do another episode. So many GBA games and DS games. And, and well, awesome. I also kind of want to do, and it, maybe we won't do this, but I'd also kind of love to just like have an episode of just all the shitty, shitty Castlevania games. Castlevania judgment. I'm looking at you. <laughs> You've never played Ca- people like that game johnny if you look I, up why doesn't anyone like castlevania judgment underrated <laughs> colon castlevania judgment for the Wii. <laughs> do you want to know who bought castlevania judgment day one I you did. did i did and i opened it and i played it and then i stopped also on day one <laughs> okay we've gone over most of the important stuff from the 80s and 90s i do just want to bring up castlevania was released for the commodore 64 the commodore amiga and dos and it comes First commodore 64 print Woo! yep and it comes in a big box that looks just like the nes box so if you want the nes box but big giant it looks super cool because it is so, it is so sweet big box big box like that kind of big box like, uh it's a little like bit thinner big? i think um, yeah. It's not like the chonky '90s big boxes, but uh, yeah, mm, basically, chunky. it is not. Uh, it is not very common. I will say that. Oh, how did we forget that? Uh, you know what else got an LCD game? Symphony of the Night. You want an expensive LCD sure game? It's like if you want to find a nice copy, you're gonna spend like a thousand dollars for like a box copy of it. Like between six hundred to a thousand is what I've seen them go for. Even the open ones go for like two hundred dollars. Symphony of the Night, uh, Tiger LCD. Don't buy it. Thumbs down from the collector's quest. Unless you just want a quirky Castlevania item for your shelf. What year was Symphony? It was at 96? Like, like, who was going to Konami and being like, yeah, we uh we should do an LCD game of <laughs> of a PlayStation game. Like, I I don't understand. Hey man. Um, uh, well, you see, uh no, I have no idea. I just want you to uh, know that Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, somehow gets a 4.4 on Google Play and a 93% on Me- on Metacritic. And all those people are wrong. Just stop that. The LCD game? <laughs> no, no, the just Symphony of the Night in general. Because uh, I was checking when it came out. It was 97. I want there to be LCD games that are good. Like, I want there to be, like, genuinely there good are, Tiger They're called handhelds. Game & Watch. No. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm talking about, like, the Tiger handhelds. No, they're well, not. Uh, you the, know they re-released some, so that's cool, right? Because collectors really wanted those. There's nothing uh, wrong with LCD games. Like in the 70s, there were a lot of simple, stupid games that were like they didn't have the graphical capabilities to make them complex. So the games were really fun, and that's the same thing that Game and Watch is. But the f- stupid tiger things are like, what if every square inch of this tiny sh- screen was a graphic in some way? That'll be yeah. Fun. And then what? Let's make ones that talk to you. <laughs> 
There's a, there's a turtles one that I have that talks to you. Does it just say cowabunga? No, it says like a bunch of shit. Oh, weird. Weird. Yeah. Like the sound chip is probably more than the graphics technology. Oh, oh a hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, Johnny, did we talk about the PAL versions of Vampire Killer? It's related to what we've already talked about. I, I, I did. Yeah. Okay. Big box and small box. Uh, wait. Just, just talk about it, Tyler. Okay. The Vampire Fuck. Killer, the first appearance of Castlevania, not named Castlevania, in PAL territories. It was released for the MSX, and there's a big box release, which is the original release. It has a black plastic insert. That's the one you obviously want, and it was re-released in a smaller box because they're cheap as fuck, and they don't want to give you a cool big box, and that one has a clear plastic insert. So get the one with the black plastic insert, or just don't care about it because PAL games. Uh, it's like one has probably sold ever because that Russian guy who has like every Castlevania <laughs> game and he's selling them, he put one up for auction and it sold for about $200. And that'll probably be the last one you ever see in your life. So why even talk about it? I regret so much that I missed that auction. Uh, yeah. So he, I don't know. He's been selling stuff for a little while and he has like zero eBay feedback. And I kind of ignored like a, a nice Castlevania hang tab he was selling. Cause I was like, there's no way this guy's legit, but no, he was just coming out the gate with like probably his most desirable game. Also like anytime you see Russia on eBay, you're just like, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Russia and no feedback. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> that seems legit. Let's buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Except like anytime I see, uh, a Russian Federation. I'm just like, nope. Like, especially if you ever bought magic cards, anytime you see it's from the Russian Federation, you're just like, no, <laughs> nope. You're like, yet, <laughs> yet. Right, exactly. Johnny? Thank you. Very yeah. nicely done, Stefan. I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Thank you. All right. So, uh, speaking of magic cards, isn't it interesting that all of magic's most expensive cards are the most powerful cards in the game, but Charizard isn't really even like a top 10 base set card. Because when I think of the base set, I think Electabuzz, I think Hitmonchan, I think Blastoise, like Charizard is okay, but it's not like the heavy hitter. Hey, Stefan, I have a question for you. I'm going to, I'm going to choke on my own tongue if he keeps going. Yeah. Um, Time to move us to the second portion of the show, uh, where we yeah. where we talk about what we are playing and what we're buying. Gentlemen, tell me what you're doing on those fronts, please. Step. Who's going first? Uh, Just get it, right. Let's get it out of the way. Yep. So uh, this is something that I've been talking about a little bit on and off, but this has fin- finally happened in the last couple of weeks, uh, where I had been speaking to the estate of and who was a, a prolific cover artist for uh, Nintendo Power and he also did um, anything from like herbal essence ads to murals and 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 whole foods locally in Seattle and like he just like uh, his his estate has like 800 pieces of his work of just like various uh, consumer products and that kind of thing. But, uh, among those was, uh, I was able to, um, negotiate for seven of his Nintendo power covers. Oh. Um, if, <laughs> and, uh, and so that was something that I, um, that had been in the works for quite some time and and I now have them secured and they're in at the framers and if you look at either my Instagram or Twitter feed you can see all those covers so um yeah those that was the big that was the big buy 
Um, aside from like some equipment stuff, I, I did mention I've, I have a new audio rig for the podcast. So that was, that was a recent buy as well. So, um, so that's more or less, I think what I was, oh, wait, we did, did I talk about the, we talked, we already talked about like the, the, the NBC and the prototypes last time, right? We yes. sure did, Stefan. We sure did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we didn't miss any. Right. We didn't, sure. get, we didn't uh, miss an opportunity for you to brag. Don't worry about it. We got you, bro. Just no, 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 no. Just making sure. I'm just kidding. Um. So yeah, that was that was what I that was what I bought. That's it. Just, just seven Nintendo Power covers. All right. That had uh, yeah, previously okay. been lost to the world, <laughs> especially behind <laughs> the celebrity wall, like that you had to crack to get those. Okay, you know, no big deal. It was just so you had to just contact. No big deal. No big deal. That's that's everyday stuff. That's typical. Hey, uh, Stefan, uh, out of people I know who contact celebrities, Stefan definitely number one in terms of just being willing to hound celebrities to to talk to them and get their signatures. I don't hound them. You if he hounded them, hound them, they probably I don't hound wouldn't families. respond. <laughs> they probably wouldn't respond yeah. to hounding. So it's exactly. got to be a if different. If you hound them, they say get. F-. That's exactly what happens. So, uh, anyways, Stefan has been successful on these fronts. Uh, now, Tyler, please tell me about, um, whatever awesome thing that you got from a celebrity or just bought from eBay, like a normal collector. <laughs> oh, seven uh, awesome things you mean? Uh, yeah. So uh, every time we go over this section, I go to my eBay purchases and I've not been purchasing a lot on eBay because essentially I'm rebuying my entire collection over in Japanese because I'm doing the whole, well, relative to the entire game market, what's the best thing to buy right now? And Japanese prices have not moved up much, so... I've been getting Japanese stuff that I've wanted and have just put off forever. But in terms of eBay stuff, let's let's go over the great eBay pickups I've had. I spent 99 cents on a sealed Super Mario Galaxy commemorative coin. Why so didn't you just tell me? I had one I could have sent you. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It, it probably would have cost more to ship 99 than, I, than I Pro- paid for Probably, it. yeah. I bought, let's say, 20 CDI long box games. Gross. So nice. CDI long box games, they're all over eBay and people like they'll put them up for like $20, buy it now, and they will literally sit there forever because no one wants CDI games. But for these 20, it was two big lots of them. I got them for probably an average of $4 shipped a piece, and I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, and it had a tell me why, which is like a trivia learning thing, I think. But it was a mislisted Tell Me Why 2. So that's oh. like a $7 game that I got for $3. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, CDI is really cool. I like, I'm not even saying the titles because it's all like the Metropolitan Museum of Art and Explore Impressionist Paintings. And CDI is a strange thing that existed. So I bought a, uh, a standalone complete in box, uh, not a complete in box, a standalone Rob from Joan Bone. I got that a while back. And it was missing the manual, the little certificate of authenticity thing, and the sunglasses. And I had an extra pair of sunglasses, but I found, I finally found a manual and the certificate of authenticity, someone being uh, selling them alone for an exorbitant price on eBay. And I got those. And then the two best things I got, Johnny, uh, Sabrina, the animated series Woo! zapped, sealed. Woo! Sealed. <laughs> um, we just talked about this. And I've had a save search set up for it. I've just been looking for a complete in box copy. I'll probably, I was, I probably would have paid like 40, 50 bucks for it just because I've been talking about it and I want it. And I think it was like $25 sealed. 
Uh, it was the same guy. He put up a case of them. He put up a, another case of them earlier this year, and he was selling them for something like $30 each. Uh, so I bought, so he had five of them for sale. One was already sold by the time I saw it. I bought the second one. I posted it on Instagram and within like 20 minutes, the rest of them sold. And that made me feel very powerful. Hashtag influencer. I am an influencer. I sold this guy's games. It was awesome. Yeah. But you didn't get a Um, cut. So you did it wrong. Yeah, you're right. I no, the way to get a cut. I should have bought all of them and then just immediately turned around and put them on eBay for $200 a piece. Because like what? No one else is selling them. What are they going to do about it? You know when when you can put <laughs> in your auction titles as talked about on the Collector's Quest podcast, then you know you've made it. Yeah, oh, man. Whew. As seen on the Retro Gem Miner. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. Those. Are, that's a good pickup. Did you have one more? Uh, Johnny. Uh, do you know Hunt the Wampus? I I am familiar. I've I've never hunted the Wampus myself because that's like um a text file game isn't it uh so the versions i'm familiar with are graphical but yes it's a text game it is almost like a maze game basically you're in a maze the wampus is in a maze and you get clues uh to where the wampus is as you move around the maze and you have like one if you like hit him you die uh if you like accidentally like run into him but you have an arrow and if you can shoot an arrow at him even though you can't see him then you win the game it's a pretty cool game anyway some people say it's the roots of survival horror because they're wrong and they don't know what survival horror is. Anyway, the game was originally it's like <laughs> it's like one of these old mainframe games that like doesn't really exist in physical form and then it was sold via mail order in sometime in the 70s by the developer and I I can't find anyone who's ever talked about that. I can't find a picture of it. I assume it essentially doesn't exist. So, the first obtainable version of Hunt the Wampus is actually in Creative Computing, Volume 1, Number 5. Okay. A magazine that published the Hunt the Wampus source code. And me and VG Collectaholic, we love Hunt the Wampus. This is a relatively rare magazine, um, but I'm very happy that I bought it. So uh, David All is the guy who makes Creative Computing, uh, which is like a, it's like an art, kind of an artsy computer magazine from the 70s, like not into the technical side of computers, it's into the creative side of computers. Uh, anyway, it was his personal copy from his basement uh, that he's had since the 70s, and he signed it for me, and he sold a whole bunch of them, and this specific issue went for like four times the price of any of the other issues, even the similarly old issues, so I don't know why that is. I'm assuming I was bidding against another Wampus maniac, another member of the Wampus Nation. Was it Collectaholic? <laughs> because every time uh, no. I'm being bid up on something dumb, it's him. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know what? <laughs> so, no, it wasn't. Because the second I won this auction, I'm like, dude, look what I got! Wampus, yeah! But also, we mentioned uh, a New Leaf cartridge I was bidding on. Uh, a few episodes back, and it turned out he's the one who won that. So, oh, nice, thanks, friend of the show. I did have one more. Th- I, I have one more oh. thing that I bought that you're both going to be uh, proud of me for. So I wanted to mention okay. it because it's a first edition book. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Kate, my amazing girlfriend, uh, is a Stephen King collector. Ho- she. Ho- you don't need to. You don't need to like be like my amazing girlfriend. You I do because she listens. No, no listen. she listens. No, you I killed. Gotta, you I said gotta, you killed the show for her. 
No. <laughs> well, but now I'll be able to like I'll be I'll, I'll be able to be like, "Hey, I mentioned you in this episode." And then like jokes on her, she's going to have to listen to the whole damn thing. Um, You're going to make her suffer through two and a half hours of this right. to get that's to right. my amazing girlfriend. My amazing girlfriend. If she does that, she's already, I mean, I already know she's like pretty cool, but she's that would great. Be, that would be that like that's just bad EV. Just don't do that. Um, anyway, so she's a Stephen King collector, and she has a first edition copy of every single Stephen King book except for one, and that is the Cycle of the Werewolf, uh, which is oh, the nice. it's a collection of uh, short stories about werewolves. Uh, it's by Stephen King, and then illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. Yep. Um, yep. And it's awesome. the first edition is a son of a bitch, and uh, and I was able to get one at a reasonable price because it had a Merry Christmas inscription to someone else that it was gifted to, and so uh, that that's fine by me because I'm going to give it to her. Uh, well, probably not for Christmas, actually, probably for Halloween because it's werewolf-themed, and I thought that would be cute. But, uh, but yeah, so I was able to get her the last first edition Stephen King book that she's missing. Right. Uh, so you're, she's going to have to, you're going to have to ask her for me. Like which editions is she like us like first editions? Cause there, he has like a couple of different printing companies. She's probably told you about like, there's like Viking press. And then there's like um, this other publication he uses that does like smaller first print runs and stuff as well. She will be different absolutely thrilled to talk to you about Stephen King books. Let me tell uh, because, you. I mean, because I have a, bu- like, not a bunch of first editions, but I, I have a collection of Stephen King books. Like, I have my Dark Towers, mostly first print, except for, like, the first two, because they're pretty expensive. But I have them on, like, weird slipcases and stuff that came from different publishers. Yeah, tell her to talk to me about it. I, I, I want to be nerdy with her about Stephen King books. That, nice. That's up my alley. So, yeah, that was my, really my first foray into, like, intentionally buying first print books actually that's not true i actually have a a a fair number of choose your own adventure books that are also first print but um but yeah so uh i bought that and uh we talk about first edition books uh whenever we talk about the uh uh tyler's favorite guy uh reserved investments so i wanted to mention that you you did you did it right according to some guy on the internet that's, that's right. not us. And and that's that's you know the internet's approval of me is very important as you all know so. Does uh, she have the non-fiction Stephen King books in first edition? Uh, like I don't on know, writing. Mm. Uh, if you guys have not read on writing it's an amazing like insight into the process and uh, Stephen King as an individual it was uh it's still there's still narrative aspects of that book. It's very good. Loved it. I she uh have all of his graphic novel credits in first edition? I believe she does, actually. Yeah. Does she have the pop-up books in first edition? I know she also has all of uh, his son's work in, in first edition. Too. Joe, That's Joe Hill, for people who don't know off the top of Joe head. Hill, yeah. All the Lock and Who's Key. Who's famous stuff. for Lock and Key, yeah. Uh, that's a Netflix series now, but it was a comic book first. Yeah. And he made, like, a... He made a... He's got a couple of very popular books as well. Anyway, so uh, but, yeah, no, but no about that. Honestly, Tyler, talking to me about what she's got is like me talking to Ada about what you've got. So, <laughs> okay, I uh, for the benefit of our listeners, since I'm on the Wikipedia page, Stephen King has written about seventy books. Yeah, Stephen uh, King turns out a lot out of first he, edition books. He turns out like a book a year at least, and he's been doing it for a long time. 
And then, yeah, you know, she, there's a lot of re-releases and collector's editions and like... She's got... I know she's got two... She's got two full-size, like, floor-to-ceiling bookcases that are all Stephen King books. Nice. Wow. So she's going to be on the show when we have a collecting right. Stephen King episode, yeah. right? So, okay. So, when, so like, when we do Stephen King books that have become games, which is a surprisingly low number... Um, she'll have to come talk to us about like those three games. She would actually probably be thrilled to be on the podcast. Actually, so, okay, I I love collect. I love everything about collecting. Like, doesn't matter if it's video games. I I don't like to collect everything, but I love stories about collecting. I like seeing what people collect. She has an Instagram where all she does is post pictures of herself running. Why doesn't she have? Look at my cool Stephen King books. The Instagram. Actually, yeah. it's it's an Instagram about her running and smoking weed, to be fair. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, we we weed. didn't want to throw that part out. That's for her to share. <laughs> oh, and she shares it. Yeah, I don't know. She doesn't. She's that's not. Uh, I don't want to show off how cool. I don't want people to think that I'm just doing this for the she probably she doesn't want people to know that she's a nerd. <laughs> I mean, she's dating you. <laughs> I like that's fair. books. I'm a nerd. <laughs> what? Y- yeah. Isn't liking books cool right now? I don't know. Is it the the world? Because you're so plugged into the phone. Maybe it is. I've got books. (laughs) Yeah, like I like. Can she at least post a picture of the bookshelf so I can see them? I think I might actually. Or can you send them? Yeah, pictures. I might have a picture because I do occasionally. Because I would like to see. Because when I was, I was. um, She doesn't just collect Stephen King. Like she has other authors that she likes, and so I have a couple pictures of her bookshelves just so that I know what she has. So yeah. You know, I, I tell my wife to do that because she collects books as well. Like, take a picture so you know what you have. Inevitably, we come home with, like, a book she already has. And I'm like, just make a list. She's If I don't make the list, it's not going to happen. Um, Tyler, did you have more to add to what you bought? Do you want to talk about what you played, either of you? Should I buy uh, first editions of my favorite books? Yes. Oh, probably. If you, have, if you have a favorite thing, you should have the first edition of it. Mm, I don't know. Stephen so King it's the, is Brandon Sanderson, the Stormlight Archive, but it's like it's a lot of money. Yeah, first editions aren't cheap. <laughs> it's yeah, no, no. I so I actually don't book. think I don't think you need to have a first edition. I just say make sure you have a nice copy. Okay, make sure you like. I have like, I have an audio book. <laughs> yeah, like have a nice copy of your favorite book. Like if it's only one book and it is your very favorite, if you can get a signed one or. Um, a first edition that's something that makes it a little more special because it is your favorite if you have that attachment to it i say do that if not if it's like a series of books that you like really love or an author i just say get a nice copy because that's what i tell my wife i'm like we don't need to go, like you don't need to go hard into the paint on uh you know first editions on everything like get something you like no get, like, get, get i, see, nice I like collecting sets so it's the uh it's the stormlight archive it's an ongoing series I guess there's only three books right now, but there's going to be 10. So potentially this could be an expensive and space. No, because once you know that you're doing that, then getting a first edition isn't very hard when the book releases. Okay. And as if the series is popular after the first one, it got popular. The second one, like those are probably abundant. It's like, so like we'll use Harry Potter as an example, finding first print of Harry Potter, first print, first edition is hard. Uh, finding first print, first edition of Goblet of Fire is easy. So, um, 
That that's how that goes. So uh, is like Goblet of Fire like the the Wii game of the Harry Potter thing? Like everyone knew they were going to be super collectibles. Everyone just started hoarding them. No, I mean that it's God. We're talking about Harry Potter. Okay, um, <laughs> this is my fault. Uh, what happens is that's a bridge point. So the movie is starting to come out right there, and the hype is now. Harry Potter has become super mainstream as of book four, and then book four takes it into widely popular. Like, but it's the, the it coalesces right at book four because the movie is happening, the midnight releases, uh, U.S. and uh, European releases are starting to sync up. There's a lot happening in Harry Potter right there, and book four is also the point where it becomes more adult. Like, you could argue some parts in three are a little more adult, but right there in book four, like the very beginning. Hardcore, you're like, oh man, this isn't just like a little kitty novel or even just like little YA stuff. It's starting to be a little more mature. Like it goes from like, is this a kid's book to a YA book to maybe adults is fine too. Like when people were still trying to figure out what Harry Potter was. Um, it, it is a book that grows up with you. Yes. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it is in that moment that it's just like there, there's a stake driven into, uh, you know, the, the fandom that says like, here it is. Because all these things are happening. So a lot of book fours were bought. People who weren't buying, like they got book three after it already been out for a while. You know, they weren't like getting first print. So the demand for Harry Potter 4, Goblet of Fire, was huge. All right. Thanks for that history on Harry Potter. Yeah. We've never talked Um, about I don't think I'm going to collect books. Nope. I, look, I I took a long hiatus from trying to even talk about it on the show because I know people are kind of over it. Also, she said some things and the internet has been all astir with it. So I don't want to like, I don't feel like stirring that up at all. At she all. did um, say some things. Yeah. So separate the art and the artist, I think, is the recommendation. Also, for all these people, I, you know, all these Twitter embryos that are now just finding out that the world is a horrible place and that your heroes aren't always the people you want them to be. Stop investigating people. You are going to find out that a lot of people may have opinions you don't like. And if that's your sole impetus to, like, to boycott them, that's fine. But the, the world is a, a rough place. And like... Like a lot of your classic books you like, you're going to find, Ugh. it's like when you find out presidents own slaves and things like that, you're just going to yeah, be like, oh man. People, people were always, a- people were always really shitty. You just didn't have the access to them that you do now. Right. Right. So, uh, but like, I can understand she's beloved and she alienated a group of, uh, uh, of her essential fandom. I'm not going to go into opinions on it or anything. I don't really care because that doesn't matter to me. I don't want to I don't want to know what my creators are doing because I'm afraid they will do or say something that I have to be like, okay, now I have to think about this. And that's not what I want to do when I read a book. I want to escape, not think about uh real life stuff. That's not why I'm reading a book. Anyways. Uh I meant to tell you, Tyler, you kept saying this game, tell me why, and all I could think about was the song Tell Me Why, uh Backstreet Boys. So Tell you're gonna Me have to Why. Cu- you're gonna have to Ain't put a little nothing cl- yeah. but a heartbreak. Yes, that's the one. Uh, so put a little clip of that in. I think we get ten seconds before they punish us. Uh, so that's that. Uh, what did I buy? Uh, everything you've seen on my Instagram feed pretty much is what I've been buying and haven't been able to talk to you guys about. So uh, my purchase history is questionable for the past couple of months. Um, you guys may have seen things like. Um, Friday the 13th, the computer game for the Commodore cool. 64 and yeah. Elvira, hmm. the fantasy adventure. Uh, oh, for yeah, the that's PC. a good one. 
uh, that has floppy disks on it. Not even 3.5, or not even uh, small ones, 3.5s. Um, Bloody Wings, Pumpkinhead, Nosferatu for the Commodore 64. Uh, yeah! Yeah. The Blair, That's cool! The Blair Witch, a Japanese Switch game that you didn't know about. Like, this is the kind of stuff I've been buying. And so, now you're like, I've got all that out of my system. Give me Star Wars figures. Uh, yep. I'm done with video games. Well, I also bought a Super Mario 2 box because I had a, I didn't have the seal I wanted. I wanted the circle seal, so I made sure I got that. And then uh, it was my birthday, as uh, I tell people pretty frequently. Happy I don't think birthday. I went overboard on Instagram on people on it this year. Um I like my wife asked what I wanted and I was like, you know, I've talked about it before, but I would like to get like a couple of my favorite Star Wars figures and, uh, you know, toys like vehicles or, or characters. So I, uh, I got a couple, I got a, I got a vintage speeder bike, which is cool. It's hard to like look for Star Wars stuff now. Cause now you write vintage Star Wars and there's a series called vintage Star Wars figures, which is like totally f-ed up your eBay searches. That's like annoying. It, dude, so it's like annoying. trying to find the game D. It's the worst, right? Yeah, <laughs> things <laughs> things Collector's Fuck Quest you. doesn't approve of. Collector's <laughs> Quest doesn't approve of D. Okay, yeah, that's right. I don't want to know how you got your D. I'm sure it was some effort. I don't care if it's uh, a big D or a little D. A little D. I'm not interested. Yeah. Well, Stefan's a little interested. Yeah, I mean, I do have a lot of D. Yeah, you've got you've got the biggest I D. Have, in I the collection. Have, I do have a very large D, and then I have... The 3DO. Yeah, and then I have D of, of varying sizes. Yeah. Yes. I've got a few Ds in the office that, uh, you know, they're in the collection. Yeah. Anyway, so I bought stuff like that. Um, I I bought uh, a Biker Scout. I bought an Emperor figure. And then I went and I dug through boxes in my garage because I was pretty sure, and I think Stefan might remember this a year ago, I did the same thing because I was pretty sure I had some vintage figures laying around that I had bought back uh, in the 90s, like the uh, late part of the 90s when I was collecting. And I was like, oh, I should go get a few of my favorites. Turns out I had done that and I did find that box. So um, I opened like two of them like a dummy uh, back in the day because I guess I wanted to open one. Um, But I found like eight unopened figures and that felt pretty awesome. So, yeah. Opening old stuff is fun. That's why we bought Wario's Woods back in the day, just so we could be like, I opened an NES game. It was cool. Yep. So, I mean, I did that back in the 90s with uh, a few Star Wars figures I wish I hadn't, but uh, I still have my Jedi Luke, which is my my favorite figure. So, uh, yeah. Now I'm looking to get like a nice job of the hut and uh, a nice Rancor. That's Those are the things I'm after right now. And I got a few other things that I don't want to share. Actually, this has got to go up by Halloween, right? I mean, it has to, sure. Yeah. Uh, what day is Halloween? Halloween is actually on a Saturday. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah, uh, I don't. I won't say it. You'll just see. I bought. I bought something weird uh, that I will post on Halloween. It's going to be my if it arrives. That's the other thing. I just got it, so hopefully it shows up and I can show you guys. Was it seven original pieces of art? It was not. It's not even that cool. It's like not even over a hundred dollars. It's just like an interesting game that I bet you haven't seen. I already did post the uh, one of those cover art pieces of cover art was for a Pugsley scavenger hunt. So I will probably repost that on Halloween. I used that for the uh, cover of our last. Uh, you should know. You should do the Castlevania art. You've got Super Castlevania art. Oh yeah, 
What are you doing? That's what are you doing? Oh, that's a beautiful so painting. So easy. I was a uh, slam dunk for you. Ninja Gaiden is kind of a horror game. It's about summoning demons. Sure. Do yeah. a Ninja Gaiden pose. I mean, I should. I actually, so uh, I wanted, I I actually got that uh, piece to fit on the scanner in its entirety. So, and I can scan at like horribly large resolutions. So my plan once, uh, when we do go back into, uh, into being able to be in conventions and stuff, I'm gonna blow that motherfucker up and use it as a photo backdrop, so that people can like take pictures with as you know pose as the ninja. Cause for people who don't know, the Ninja Gaiden Nintendo Power Cover was a painted background with a dude in like a Halloween store ninja costume in the foreground. So uh, so hopefully you'll be able to uh, to take your picture with the backdrop, and I think that's neat. So yeah, one day when you can see people again in public. That's right. Okay, uh, I think that's it. That's got to be it. God, we're so long. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to to listen to Castlevania Garbage with us. Uh, one of my favorite series. Uh, hope you learned something. Hope you're going to go out and buy something. I hope you're like, yes, that's the thing I should have bought. And um, yeah, guys, where can we find you? Stefan? Um, on Instagram as Archon1981, on Twitter as Art of Nintendo Power. Uh, one thing that I did want to mention is that this is the first time I'm mentioning it is that I am doing a full rebrand of my YouTube channel. So it will no longer be Archon1981. I am rebranding as Art of Nintendo Power and going to put my best foot forward, uh, bringing people more uh, content uh, around Nintendo Power and the art of it. So uh, very soon, it's still currently Archon 1981 on uh, YouTube, but very soon it will be Art of Nintendo Power. I am just retrofitting that channel because that channel that channel is already um, a uh, what do they what do they call it? The it's already ha- it can YouTube already uh, partner 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 experience. Thank you. Yes. Content is already, creator. It is already a YouTube partner account. So, um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I I hope people will uh, go along with me on this journey in this transition. Um, and I'm actually really really excited about it. So yeah, um, check me out more often on YouTube. But uh, right now, you can find me all the time on uh, on Twitter as Art of NP or Art of Nintendo Power. And yeah, where can we find you, Ty? I remember when when you guys call me like nicknames all the time. It's really weird. Uh, Teach, it's okay. Yes. It's all right, T Dog. Look, your it's mom fine. told us that we weren't supposed to call you Tyler. She said that That's was right. weird that we should yeah. call you Teach. So really, Teej, yes. By calling you Teej, we are respecting your mother, which is what everyone who is listening do. to the show right now. So. Yeah. She's probably very much enjoying this segment. Also, my she boss calls me T-Bone. Uh, that is for real. I'm not real. calling you T. I, I would not recommend anyone call me T-Bone. That's see, I've I, called you weird. T-Dog. Like, I'll yeah, call I you enjoy T-Dog. T-Dog. I enjoy T-Dog very much. I think everyone should get on the T-Dog train. I'm default gen. Default G-E-N. Where That's am I? Default. I'm on the video game. J-E-N. Video game at T-Dog. Instagram, YouTube. I remember when I made my YouTube channel, like, we're going to do like some homebrew reviews, maybe talk about collecting. I don't know. And I was just like, I don't know, retro gem miners is a stupid thing. I guess these are more fun to make. You should absolutely rebrand as the retro gem miner. I'm just saying, like, cast away default gen on YouTube and just be the. T- I already have a secondary YouTube channel that's just for like stuff I don't want to clog up my other YouTube channel with. Like when just, I just need to upload a video to the internet to show someone <laughs> something. I don't know. Just for jumping across the map in Elder Scrolls. 
Oh, no, that's my third YouTube channel. Which ah. like, I can't delete that YouTube channel now because it's like I've got like a million views on a YouTube video, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, that should get you a partner account. No, no one cares there, about if, Art of NP. There's to merge. There's not 100 percent not. I know that I you have to have the credentials to be a partner based off that video, right? I don't know. Why do I you care about be, being a partner? Because you can monetize that channel. I don't. I don't want to monetize. Then it'll show ads. <sighs> I don't want people to see ads to watch a two-minute stupid ads. retro it's, gem miner it's, video. It's going to show ads anyway. It's just not going to pay you for it. Oh well. Oh well. I don't know. Right. I'm 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 a an adult. I've got a YouTube Premium Red Ultra subscription, so I don't have to deal with ads, which I only bought because my ad blocker on iPad stopped working. Oh yeah, real disappointing. Anyways, uh, I'm Johnny underscore Ayuchi. And you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I don't even think I've been on uh, anywhere else for a little while now. Wow, that's that's rough. I've, it's things have been hectic and crazy here. Um, I'm struggling just to get a post up every day for Halloween. I already missed one and had, just had to let it go. So, oh well. Say lovey. So that's it. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you join us again in our next episode in November, which I think is going to be the game draft. Woo! Part two. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. All right. That'll be fun. That Yeah. A fun one. All right. That's it. Bye! You guys playing Super Mario 35? I'm not. I'm not. Are you serious? Have you played it at all? No. Oh. I wanted... Hey. I, the, 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 first, the first print of an advanced reading copy should theoretically be the first edition no, as well. An advanced, and, no, an advanced That's reader like copy a is... I think. Yeah, it's a proto. Exactly. I mean, if we're, if we're making analogies. You know, yeah. it, <laughs> the book collecting world is the established world, so we need to be taking cues from the book collecting world. They can't be taking cues from us, so... Yeah, Our prototypes are their advanced reader copies. Because the, the reason I asked is because I, 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 it occurred to me that I do not have a first print of my favorite book, which is Jurassic Park. But I'm sta- sitting here staring at a, a first printing of an advanced reader copy for $50. So I'm just going to buy that because it's $50. Uh, uh, but see what it's an advanced reader copy of. Is it a, like it should just be of the first book, but sometimes they send out like weird ones. Um, like as advanced reader copies for like press if like the new material was added, like make sure it's for the correct release. That's pretty rare that that happens, but it, it is a thing. Hmm. What? Like, um, so there's, there's like a $300, I, I'm not buying a book, but, uh, there's a $300 first print, the way of Kings with a signature made out to Ben for 300 and then there's one without a a signature made out to anyone for 800 yeah that's Um, the only reason why i was able to get that wrightson book there the 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 um cycle of the werewolf is because normally that book is like between five and eight hundred dollars and i ended up getting for 250 i they she had it up for 350 and i i did a a offer of 250 and she actually took it i was shocked um all right, but uh, yeah, like, I'm not reselling it. I don't care if I could save hundreds of dollars because my name's not Ben. Like, sure, give it to me. Um, I just got this book for thirty dollars because I had eBay bucks that are going to expire. So I was like, yes, please. All right, yeah. Um, I'm a winner. Yeah, like some of the Stephen King first prints are pretty expensive. Cycle of the Werewolf is pretty old too. Does she have a first this- print Gunslinger? 
I think so. She's, I know she's got her favorite book is The Stand, and she has a f- first print of that, and that thing's fucking expensive. Well, well, uh, ask her which one she has. Like, is it first print of The Stand as is, or was it a first print of the extended, expanded? Like the the because the, they did a bunch of cuts. The Stand is like a weird book. They did a bunch of cuts on it, and then they like released the bigger, better copy. Yep. So, so ask her which is- one. This is kind of interesting because I'm, I'm literally just looking up random first prints now. So, like, there was a Jurassic Park just sitting uh, at like $750. And I'm looking yep, up the stand, and there's clearly whatever this T39 code, that's the one you want. And there's like a few of them for like three, $400 in bad condition. And then the book that I want is like somewhere between 300 and 800 These are all kind of the same price. I would have expected like Stephen King to blow away. Brandon Sanderson and Michael Crichton to be somewhere in the middle of them, but they're kind of the same. Like Jurassic Park is a, a huge book, obviously. The Stand is a huge book. I don't know, that's weird. And The Stand's kind of old, right? Yeah, Stand's no, old. Yeah. Uh, what late, gives? Late 80s? Late 70s. 1978. The Stand? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I guess I don't, books just stay around forever and don't disappear into the ether because no one actually really, throws out books. Did The Stand really come out in 1978? Sure. Yeah, because it was already old when I was a kid. How much is a shining first print? I'm keeping all this oh, in, by the way. The oh, only okay. reason why <laughs> the only reason why I kind of want that. Oh yeah, October third, nineteen seventy eight. Wow. I do, I also don't have I don't have any Michael Crichtons that are signed, and he's dead now, so that's a thing. You love getting signatures of people before they I die. I do. I do. Uh, what's a trade edition, and why don't I want it? Um, I don't know what a trade edition is. Like, don't buy a book club edition. Like, maybe it's a book club. Uh, I don't know. I think that I need reserved investments trade, to tell me. Uh, in this case, it might actually be if if the first print or if the first edition was the hardback, because that's the, the all the all all the hardbounds for the Jurassic Park say first or say trade edition so i don't know yeah i'm not sure if that means like major publisher yeah how i was talking about that stephen king thing where he has like um you know like um you know magazines have like their like two uh magazine stores and bookstores edition and then like the ones that went direct to consumer like those were different print editions yeah, I wonder, if sure. that, I wonder if that's what it means. I mean, well, I'm, I'm asking because I'm looking at the Shining, and the trade edition has a buy it now of 349, and the uh, big dick R49 in the gutter, and all first first identifying markers in the dust jacket and copyright pages is four to five thousand dollars. That's more what yeah. I expected for like that's, the big that's Stephen probably, King. Probably, yeah. That's the real one, right? So yeah, I guess probably uh, the the earlier books from an author that are huge are going to be the ones that are harder to get. Yeah, like, uh, and I was right. The Stand came out in nineteen ninety. The uh, complete uncut version. I'm like, I think I remember that. Stefan, I'm looking up one more. What's the first Michael Crichton book? Is it uh, uh, not Jurassic Park? Um, was it The Great Train Robbery? I don't remember. Uh, Thought it was the science fictiony one, the ball, not sphere. Uh, sphere. Oh, um, Andromeda. Maybe. Strain? No. I'm just gonna look up 
uh, Brandon that's Sanderson. R- Drama Strain is like is. a... Uh, Drama Strain wasn't that Ray Bradbury? No. Oh, you know what? Uh, oh, no. No, that is Crichton. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look Sphere, up uh, Song of Ice Crichton. and Fire first print. UK first. Fuck George R. That, that George R. R. Martin. Hot, hot AF, I bet. No, that, that had to cool off. He is a fucking nightmare. Uh, first I hate first. that fat boat captain. Well, there's only there's <laughs> only one that sold back in August, and it looks like it was the first three books for twenty five hundred. Which you know these aren't very old books, so that is probably a fucking lot. Neat. Oh, these are first UK though. Oh wait, is were these published in the UK first? Because book collectors actually know what a first edition is. Uh, but I think he's a U.S. author. Oh, so like this is garbage. <laughs> Why are you paying three thousand dollars for this? Well, it depends. It could have released in both places at the same time. Oh, look at that! Andromeda Strain was, was his first book. Hey, you did it! You knew trivia. Yeah. Oh, good job. I did. Uh, Great Train Robbery was his third book. The Terminal Man being two. Uh, I would tell then, you guys what a, uh, a first edition Hobbit goes for, but it's currently on Heritage Auctions, open for bidding on November twenty third. Oh man! Oh man! Go for so I, much. Totally forgot he wrote Disclosure. Oh wait, was this actually? Maybe it already ended. Oh, tell me how much it went for. Is this a first Hurt edition? My first edition with first published sixteen misprints. All right, I, I I don't know enough about books. They're calling it a first edition. It went for fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of weird stuff about the Hobbit, like because he goes back. There's multiple editions of the Hobbit that might be considered first, like first print of a different edition. Um, because he went and edited the books. Like there, there's a complete like goblins and orcs change in the Hobbit. Because uh, he he changes like he's the original George Lucas. That's what oh, like people no. don't realize. He went back and he retrofitted things to make sure that the Lord of the Rings worked. How did I not remember that? I uh, mean, it's not wrote, like talked about very much. But. No, no, sorry. I was Crichton wrote uh, Westworld. Yeah. Huh. And Twister. Wait, when did he die? Isn't Westworld like super new? No, it was actually an old show. movie first. Oh, was, oh, I did not. It was a movie and then it was a TV series, but it was a book before all that. His last published work was 2017. So there you go. Um, which means he probably died Although in 2016, he... 2017. Mm-hmm. I, so, I can't get over. So the Hobbit. Lord of the Rings, like, hugely influential to all mediums of culture. J.R.R. Tolkien, like, legendary creative person in modern history. So his first edition first book goes for $14,937. But a f***ing Charizard can sell for (laughs) $60,000? What is going on in Pokemon? There's 15,000 graded Charizards. What is happening? I'm pretty sure there's that like, should be the opening to the show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's Charizards that uh, that have gone over like 200, right? They're like yeah, really so like expensive. Like the Gem right? Mint first the, edition US. The Gem Mint tens. Yeah, yeah rappers no. buy the like a rapper bought one for two hundred thousand. 
This is where uh, reserved investments is correct. Don't, don't buy f***ing Charizards. Go buy these books. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Buy these books. No. Yeah. Let's get, let's get way into first edition book. Let's just sell all our games. So what I'm seeing from book collecting is like, unless you want like the absolute cream of the crop, like rare old books that are like hundreds of years old, like you could probably sell your games and swing like all the books you really want. So let's just start collecting books. F games. This is history. Book collecting is for real. I mean, I, I probably could. Although print. we probably just like sci-fi, horror, and fantasy, which are probably not the book yeah. genres that are going to be super important. Like, well, those are going to be the most wanted. It's like popular fiction is still uh, the most wanted fiction. Um, you know. Man, I... I uh, I regret he died not in, uh, buying my first edition Gunslinger because now they are three thousand dollars. Crichton died November fourth, two thousand eight. Oh no! Oh, they like it's gone lower. Oh my god! Could I get a first print grant for six fifty? I would pay that. <laughs> Damn boy! Yeah, your your bouginess is showing through. You're talking about paying six hundred dollars for a book. Oh, five, dude! Five I've wives. paid more than that for a book for Carly. Um, all right. Dude had five wives. Got to get those a lot of wives. UK editions for Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, dude. Don't say. Uh, we have we have so many different versions of Harry Potter. I can't even tell you. I'm glad first she's kind first of edition. Is, that's like a gajillion dollars, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It, like it went at auction, I think, for uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Get on it. I'm just gonna go ahead and say. Hobbit, better and more culturally significant book than Harry Potter. I don't know. I'm just I'm In, no, just that's incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. Okay. Um, uh, wait, wait. I got I got a Harry Potter story. Um, I don't remember who it was. Uh, there's like a Jackbox game, like charades, where you have to make up a sentence, and one of the sentences that got made up was, uh, "The character in question is more famous than Harry Potter," and everyone put Jesus. And then got mad at the clue giver because literally no one is more famous than Harry Potter. Yeah, like <laughs> there, there's, there's like two people, and it's like, um, what, like Santa Claus might be more popular, and uh, like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, I think Mickey Mouse. It was like Mickey Mouse. Well, yeah, not like not Mar popular, but just like yeah. uh, cultural awareness. No, yeah, probably like Mario, because Mario hit that point at one, you know, one point in time too. Yeah. Man, um, this is. I a... think like Darth Vader's up there too now. Yeah, C3PO and R2D2 are up there. And these are bad copies of the Gunslinger, but it does say it's a first edition. <laughs> and a nice one is like fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I like that we're all sitting around buying books. Like not even I'm not, I'm like. Not... It's my if, favorite book. If we were book collectors, I'm sure we would be in like circles, and they'd be looking at the overpriced books on eBay and be like, "Look at that tattered DJ." <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't even say dust jacket. They're just like, look at that DJ. And uh, this is how certain right, game investors right, look at us Timmies? when they're Do like, you going, see that spineware? Look at the binding on that thing. That binding makes me want to die. Who would buy yeah. that? Where did you That's send this to us? Uh, I don't see where you sent this. Sent what? What the spineware that makes me want to? No, I was no, I was no. He was oh, being a book oh, collector. you're imitating the book collectors who are making fun of us 
who are yeah. looking at books and being like, yeah, want to buy some books? They're like, uh, oh, why would you buy that one? Oh, oh, it's signed, but it's a book plate. It's not even signed. It's not even a real ex- inscription. It's just a book plate. Can you believe these ass? <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers. Uh, I am I'm a hundred percent gonna have a Morgan Silver Dollar sometime. Morgan Silver Dollars are not expensive, by the way. Uh but uh my grandpa uh has a coin collection that's sitting in a closet since he died, uh and no one has ever wanted to look at it. And Reserved Investments has mentioned Morgan Silver Dollars enough to the point where I've like looked at like at least the Pawn Stars episodes where they, they talk about it and stuff like that, where now I feel like I kinda wanna look see if he has any Morgan Silver Dollars that are worth anything. I've, I've- I feel like you should, should like at least pull it out and take a look. The thing uh, he collects world said. coins, so like I, there's only so many U.S. coins. I could probably figure out which U.S. coins are valuable, but like all his coins, I look at them I'm like, wow, look, this is a coin from Portugal. Really don't want to look up to see if that's worth anything. My grandfather had a stamp collection. My grandfather had a stamp collection that, looking back, like I know we just straight up threw them away when I was like ten or whatever. Uh, that I, I I greatly regret not still having that and looking at it at least. Yep, my my parents uh, sold my grandpa's stamp stamp collection for ten thousand dollars. That was maybe five years ago. I'm sure they got taken for a ride with that nice nat nice round, uh, very big seeming number. I'm sure it was worth a crazy amount. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I can't really tell if my grandpa was just like, like he knew what he was talking about. He's going for like the good pieces or he was just like a crazy old guy who was going through pocket change and putting them in sleeves. I could never tell. Yeah. I, I don't know. Coin collecting seemed like such a mistake to me. I'm just like, mm, mm, no, thanks. Like collect silver, I guess, or gold, but like just uh, straight up doing, uh, doing that. No, thank you. Yeah, it's just one of the, like, uh, you know, as nuanced as what we do is, like, I can't even, like, wrap my head around the nuances no. of fucking coin collecting or stamp no. collecting or, yeah, it's just, like, I cannot, I would 100, the thing is, is I, I look at that and I go, I would 100% get taken for a ride. Oh, like, yeah. there's a zero chance that I would not get taken advantage of starting in that market, and I'm just, like, not, nope, nope. Stefan, that's why we have the oh. grading companies. I want you to, this, you're going to love this. Tyler, I'm looking at a book right here, and it says, Stephen King, The Gunslinger, true first edition. Yes! UK, but it's like totally a cheap book, so that can't be true. (laughs) It's like, we don't even know what we're talking about. True first. Now I want to, like, if there is cheap stuff that's like actually correct and people are buying the wrong things, that makes me want to go get the right stuff. Oh, what? I looked for the Gunslinger True first, and there's like seven of them, and they all look different. What? What am I looking at, Johnny? Why? How can there be multiple True firsts that look different? Um, <clears throat> let, let me tell you. All right, man. The first person, first edition of uh, The Shining has an awesome cover, by the way. Um, so, well, you're probably seeing. Did you put Gunslinger True First or? Okay, so I'm looking at so a book like, from 2003. Like it's like the True First Wizard edition Gl- of the reprint that, of the Gunslinger. Well, 2003, that might be the, like, 
They're showing like Wizarding Glass too. So yeah, true first edition of this Viking one where it's got uh, the Gunslinger and the Dark Tower behind him. That was the re-release when Stephen King went back and he fixed, uh, he tightened up some stuff too. He did a uh, George R.R. R. Martin and fixed some things. Uh, there's true first edition of the paperback. Uh, there's a UK <laughs> paperback first edition. But the true first edition, I think was a, it was Mercury Press in a, in a, magazine i think it was like an additional a magazine that had uh prints for it i don't know the the collecting is so weird man it's just like it's the same thing and there's a little bit of ink somewhere that has a zero (sighs) instead of a one and that makes it this entirely new object and it's the same thing with coins like the mint marks one will say cc instead of p and it'll be worth $7,000 more for the exact same coins. It's bananas. I don't get... Why, why are we collecting? TMs turning into R's? Uh, we need to sell out everything and just like just get some index funds, maybe uh, invest in some real estate, and live a minimalist life, Johnny. And Stefan. Stefan, you too. Stop it. You've already I cornered agree. the market on Nintendo Power stuff. Now just uh, blow it out for hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, that yes, I could. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds. You want to get like really crazy like in Japan, they split books in half. So, you could you could have mismatched halves. What the f- What are you talking about, Johnny? This is something our listeners need to know. And in Japan, if a book is too long, they split it. Like it's too like they just cut it in half. Like the Lord of the Rings extended DVDs, or like they take a sword and they're just like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. This. Like, no, like the Lord of the Rings. Like, okay. How the Lord of the Rings is one book, they made it into three. Japan just does that, but they don't give it new titles. It's just like, would be The Wizard in Glass, or it'd be Harry Potter, The Deathly Hollows one, Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows two. Like it's split into two books. That sounds so familiar. Yeah, like the movies. <laughs> like they started to figure that out. Um, and then they're like, oh, we could just make these miniseries. Oh, that's even better. Um, but yeah, so like, but if you were collecting books from Japan, like one could be a first edition, first print, but then the other one could be a first edition, second print, but people could mismatch halves and you would have to check both halves. How annoying would that be? Well, that sounds like a problem for someone who is not me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is never something you're going to have to deal with. Um, yeah. See, now I just want to know what, like, I want, I want to hear Kate's rundown of Stephen King books because I want to judge her fiercely. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure she will. She'll appreciate that. Yeah. Be thrilled to do that. Yeah. No, like, I want to know. I got to know. Like, I mean, she came out strong. You said what her favorite book is. That's like a pretty good book. Stand is awesome. It's definitely my What's her favorite yeah. her favorite Stephen yeah, King yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, what I'm talking about. It's like that would be in my pantheon of favorite Stephen King books, you know, like top 5 somewhere. Her so. favorite book is uh what was it? The World According to Garp. It's Garp, yes, thank you. Yep. That is her favorite book. So Which I also I bought her a signed copy of that. Yes, I remember you told. That me. was like the first thing that I think I bought her actually. So I'm curious what her other favorite Stephen King books are. I'm curious if if she likes the Gunslinger books, the Dark Tower series, and if she just hates the ending, or if she's okay with the ending. Like, definitive Stephen King stuff. 
Like I was in the bookstore the other day and uh, a guy had a gunslinger tattoo who worked there. And I was like, oh, nice gunslinger tattoo. Then he wanted to talk to me for 45 minutes, which I obviously couldn't do. <sighs> yeah. There's a guy at my f***ing Rite Aid who always wants to talk about Doctor Who every time I walk in the f***ing door and I want to punch him in the face. Oh, see, I wouldn't mind having the conversation, but I wasn't going to, like, sit in a in a shop and talk to people, like, with my face mask on and everything. I'm like, I'm not trying to do this right now. What is this Mallet Legends you're sending us? Okay, so for here's the bonus content for anyone who's dumb enough to listen to three hours of Collector's Quest way past when the show has already ended. Uh, I was, what did I buy from this guy? I am still recording, by the way. Yeah, it's fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm always recording your guys' audio as a backup, so even if you guys stopped, I would get this. So I bought, uh, I actually bought, I'm not, no, that's too embarrassing. I'm not going to say that part. Um, I bought an television game I wanted, and I was looking for stuff to uh, bundle with it from this guy. And there was this labelless copy of Whack a Critter for Genesis. Whack a Critter, already a very strange game. Um, By Real Tech and Mallet Legends is the uh, other territory's name for yeah, it. Yeah, right? so Mallet Legends is the original name of it. Um, and this this sticker on it, it says performance. It's not the same logo as the performance memory cards. That's what I checked. Anyway, this was $15, which probably, you know, what a loose thing might be worth. It's probably worth like $7. Um, any chance of that being a prototype? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I'm going to ask. Uh, um, yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, you just have to open it and look at the board and you can tell in about two seconds. Oh, um, uh, this is my $15 gamble. This was literally my lotto ticket. And by lotto ticket, I mean, it's probably worth like a couple hundred bucks because it's f***ing whack a critter. But uh, well, that'll be neat. And I mean... I mean, I've seen other uh, Genesis uh, protos like this too. Like that's it's it's also weird... it's also tough to tell whether or not that's been cl- so. Looks like the, it's been clean though. It yeah. does look like it's been cleaned. Like there's that. Like you can see this the like scraping the abrasive lines. So I don't know if it's well, just like guess who's about to have a labelless copy of Whack a Critter for Genesis? Then guys. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not to say that it couldn't have been cleaned and still be a prototype. Well, that's but. what I say. I think it's more likely that, like, if they were reusing parts, especially at a company that's not going to have just like buku bucks to to splash around on extra shells, like they are, that's a company that would definitely be reusing parts. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, my actual other backup plan is that uh, my Wacka Critter is sealed because it's one of those games that's just like only available as new old stock. Um, so if I ever do get the nine button controller to actually play the game, this will be my copy to play. Oh man, how sad are you that you didn't buy that controller when I told you? Well, someone has them on video game stage. Someone just posted three for sale. Oh really? So it was someone who but bought like from that three hundred dollars or something. I'm not going to pay yeah. it, but no, that but what, were totally the ones you like... showed me like thirty bucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I should have bought one. And you're like, I don't care about that thing. I'm not a All hardware right. guy. I'm not a hardware guy too, but that's like a cool controller. Also, I just love those games. I love Wacka Critter games. So, like the idea that we could do that is like really fun. Oh. Stefan, were you going to say something? I'm ready to like go to bed, guys. Thank you all for sitting around, uh, I'm sticking just around out. to uh, Collector's Quest After Dark. Yeah. CQAD. Every. I enjoyed that. every Every episode of Collector's Quest is Collector's Quest After Dark. <laughs> no.
It is uh it is three forty AM in uh, my time for anyone wondering. So you wanna play some Among Us or what? What are we doing? Uh if you get a group together, I have to see if Ada's asleep. If Ada's asleep and you can get five people, I will absolutely play Among Us right no. now. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what would Ada be doing? Now I'm curious, what would Ada be doing at three forty AM? She's because like, I know you're she's you're, also you're, a you're filthy DJ. I mean, Look, yeah, no, we, yeah. we're we're not like this because one of us goes to bed at a normal hour and the other person stays up all night and spends a good chunk of their life not talking to them. We we both stay up to like five AM every day. We're terrible, terrible people. Yeah, they're like how do you function? His, you have his jobs. Real name you go should to. be Degen because uh, he doesn't well, have to work normal hours. Because he's a degenerate. I'm a degenerate, and it's true. Like, do you want <clears throat> my day, Stefan? My day is like go to bed at five, wake up at ten, and go like directly onto a call. Uh, and then like I'm probably on a call for like three to five hours, and then I'm wrecked at the end of that because I didn't get enough sleep. So then at, like three like two or three i might just like take a nap for a few hours and then i'll wake up at like seven i'll be like oh i gotta do all the work i didn't do so i'll do work late into the night and then you know maybe i'll finish work at like 11 p.m and it's like well i just finished work i don't want to just go to bed i want to go like have fun and and look at tiktoks like the kids do so then i stay up till 5 a.m and this is the cycle wow. that I've been stuck in since coronavirus. And coronavirus has made it worse. The commute, the commute is literally the thing that holds my life together. Without a commute, without forcing me to drive myself to work and be there at 10, like the ability to roll out of bed onto a call is just the worst thing. I hope no one who's ever I, uh, planning on employing me listens to this episode. I, I probably like Piper keeps me on the rails a little bit but not even a lot like because i'll let her sleep till like noon or whatever it doesn't really bother me at least not until she's in school next year but uh but generally i'll go to bed at like midnight or one and then i'll get up at nine and none of my calls i don't schedule any calls before 10 so unless it's like with an external developer and they make me have a call before 10 but uh but yeah I don't that that staying up till five and then getting up at ten. I would I would not be happy. Yeah, I go to bed about three every morning and I get up at uh, seven thirty. Like also ah, because of this horrible routine, like I have to take I take showers at night now because like I can't roll out of bed and then take a shower and get on a call because I always sleep until the last possible minute. Like my whole schedule is completely flipped around. You should just like you should sleep with your headset on, and then <laughs> Stefan. And then okay, Stefan. I don't have my headset because my headset is in the office, and the office is closed, and I am not allowed to go into it because they track everyone who scans a key in. So I've been talking on not... speakerphone for like six months. Okay, so you're buying three and four hundred dollar games, but you can't like fucking pony up thirty dollars for a goddamn oh, headset. No, my my job would buy one. I'm sure if I asked, they would buy one. Oh for me. my I'm just, god. I'm... I, I I don't think I will ever get a firm grasp on like your like what you you are and are not willing to spend money on. Video games will be number one. I like spending. But money even on then, games. like within that, like you'll 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 say like, well, be in a, having a conversation. You'll be like, oh yeah, that's like two hundred dollars. I'm not paying two hundred dollars for that. And then later, you'll be like, oh yeah, I got this game for like eight hundred bucks or like whatever. Like it's just, <laughs> I'm like, not it's, buying very many games for eight hundred. You are not. Um, I'm I'm just saying the, you're not so very consistent. Have you not ever walked through a grocery store? Like, have you ever not like bought nine, seven original pieces of Nintendo Power Art, and then you're you're comparing cereals, and you're like, 
Reese's Puffs are three sixty nine, <laughs> but I can get the store brand for two eleven. So we're gonna go the store brand. Well, I, and the difference one thing, I don't between know why, store brand cereal and and name brand cereal is very low. That is not the but point that I'm trying I, to make. Okay, but that also depends on if we're gonna talk about cereal. That also use, depends on the what the actual soda. cereal is. You got to use ser- uh, soda. Like, because store yeah. brand soda is fucking garbage, and I will pay more for just name brand soda. Uh, the um, the off brand Fruit Loops, I I will not buy. Fruit <laughs> if I'm buying Fruit Loops, it's got to be Fruit Loops. Yeah, like, but see the off brand uh, uh, Cocoa Pebbles or Cocoa. Oh, amazing! Yeah, Yo, the Dino Bites. Fantastic. Dino Bites yeah, are yeah. the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like um, they make Aldi pe- has it. Yeah, they make pebbles look it- like garbage. If you like um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, f***ing Aldi has an off-brand that is amazing. Yeah, Guys, what about uh, shredded wheat and, and crackling fuck oat you. brand? Fuck you. We never did my conversation. We never did my official review of crackling oats. Oh, uh, that's right. Oh. Remember, remember do, I, do we I have eat? Do you have an opinion that you could talk about right now? Sure. If, uh, if you're here for CQAD, um, <laughs> I can tell you what I thought about crackling oats and whether Tyler Sequad. was uh, right that it's the best cereal ever or not. It is not the best cereal ever. It's not as bad as I made it seem out, but it is, it is like fairly lackluster. If you put a bowl down in front of me, I would eat it, but I wouldn't be excited about it. I wouldn't be angry, but I'm just not excited. And if I'm going to eat you cereal, eat I'm going to go find something more interesting than that. Like just go get would cinnamon. You eat life. It if I, if I put it down in front of you and it said there's a 50% chance that this is cat food and you were absolutely unable to tell the difference. <laughs> would no, you un- no. Would you and it does look because it does look a little cat because food. Because you cannot tell the difference. Yeah, it does look like, I mean, the pieces are bigger than dried cat food, but um, it does kind of have that like texture and look about it, which is off-putting. It is like you eat with your eyes first and it fails at that test. So, yeah. Uh, so, Johnny, I do want to say, like, Cinnamon Life may be the second best cereal. Cinnamon Maybe. Life is great. Like, the, it, it is like, great. absorbs oh, the yeah. milk. So, like, it's, oh, it's just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is also one of the, the cereals that I can absolutely eat soggy. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't even a little. I don't to drink, eat it soggy. do any milk with my cereal. So, it doesn't matter to me. What? You eat everything dry? You just eat all cereal dry? Yep. In a bowl with a spoon. Uh no, I'm what? not about that. Now I'm I'm inching closer about? To, to Tyler's turn. Are you talking about mixed nuts? You eat mixed nuts dry. No, I but don't. But cereal, like you milk. put milk on. I don't like milk. What about milk? Like almond milk? Anything? Any milk nope. substitute? Mm-mm. Nope, totally off putting. Oh yeah, this want. is weird. I am out on milk, but yeah, almond one hundred percent is the shit. Like, yeah, one hundred percent almond on, milk household. Like I don't want almond milk in. I like uh, no. Mm-mm. I went almond milk when I started to do keto, and then I just, I just got used to it. I just I can't. No, do I just I like milk anymore. like milk is like weirdly thick, and then almond milk is weirdly watery, and I don't want yeah, it is. Yeah, and bit. I don't want any of that. Like people keep trying. Well, have you tried this? I'm like, I you know what? I'm fine. Like, don't act like you know what people. Johnny, weird make your life better. Yeah, it's like called weird milk. Yeah, what people weird out on is the fact that I put it in a bowl and eat it with a spoon. But if I just said, yeah, I grabbed a handful of this cereal and ate it like everybody will do from time to time, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. But you can only have like a handful. You can't have a bowl of cereal like that. Are you a madman? I'm like, 
No, you heathen, I don't need to just jam my hand into the box of cereal that everyone's going to eat and rub my hand all over it. I am pouring a bowl and I can eat it with a, a utensil like uh, the civilized person I am, not a caveman. When we were kids, my mo- my mother initially accidentally put orange juice on Cheerios, and then she ended up loving it, no. and so then put orange juice on f***ing Cheerios. Stop it. Like, Cheerios, take this story Cheerios back are, from my brain. No, Cheerios are pretty bland. What's the problem? Yeah, it was just, it was just interesting that that, that she. So that doesn't sound it. like cereal to me. That sounds like orange juice that you've ruined by pouring Cheerios into. It, it, it. just sounds like orange juice with pulp. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it makes me think of it the wrong way around because the milk isn't the forefront of the flavor of cereal, whereas orange juice would very much be the forefront of that. That's concoction. true. Yeah, have you guys tried Chocolate Life yet? Uh, not a Chocolate Life. Mm. Chocolate Life is pretty good. I mean, subtle, so you don't have to like be overwhelmed by it. Cinnamon is quite spicy enough for my old man cereal taste. Look, I I know, but uh, maybe I think the big cereal I can I absolutely cannot get get on board with is uh, Lucky Charms. The the marshmallows are just the texture. The marbits. My they're not marshmallows. They're marbits. Come on. I have I have. like the hair on my arms is standing up right now just thinking about the texture of those f-ing marshmallows um especially when they get um stale which they get stale f-ing instantly if you leave the box open for five seconds beautiful love uh, love it uh no you, you know who i do it i'm never gonna buy lucky charms but lucky charms are fine carly doesn't uh, she doesn't like them because when she was a kid, they had like in elementary school, first grade or whatever, they gave out bags to all the kids to use as counting implements. So all the kids, like they didn't know how old the bags were or how many classes had gone <laughs> through. And she no, like, don't saw, tell me the story. Yeah. So uh, she saw she kids. She the grubby kid. No, oh. she did not. Other kids did. And she was out on it forever. So now she can't eat Marbits at all. She just looks at those and goes, <laughs> Nope. How can you give nope. kids food and then ask them to give it back? That does not make sense. I, well, it's like there are fun counting shapes because I think it probably was like Lucky Charms marshmallows. Oh my god! There are two. Well, and back then too, the marshmallows were much bigger, um, and they harden up too the, if you leave them. Long the long. two things that I am out on texture-wise in this life is those f-ing marshmallows, marbits, and the cotton that they put in pill bottles. <laughs> I cannot touch it. That's, you know, a lot of people have that weird cotton thing, and I didn't think it bothered me, but the minute, like, too much cotton got in my mouth, like, when I was doing, like, dental stuff, I was over that pretty quick. It's just that, like, there's plenty of different, like, uh, treatments of cotton that I'm totally fine with, but that, however they f***ing spin that or whatever, the, like, the the really, like, cobwebby, yeah, yeah, I can't, I cannot, cannot. Uh, You guys- I, like, I, I- Immediately, I have to take them out with like a fork or something because I just my my teeth immediately start grinding. Yeah. Uh, you guys want another fun thing that Carly like from Carly's childhood that was yes. like, ridiculous about her, and she believed this for a long time. Um, so she went to a wax museum when she was like five, okay. and then because of, and like someone who had just died, so they made a wax sculpture of them. So in her brain. What happened was, if you died, you became a wax statue. (laughs) Like House of Wax. (laughs) So, yeah, she thought these wax museums were just like hallways of dead people. 
Okay, that's terrible. So she was like, she didn't learn for a while after that because she didn't want to talk to anyone about it. But she was out on wax museums and wax figures for a very long time because she thought they were dead people. It's pretty great. And uh, another funny thing, this is like pretty recent. She thought if you put too much cheese on a pizza, it would explode. The pizza, huh. the pizza would explode. Why did she think this? Because like, as like a, it, this is something we did in Simi Valley. I don't know if you guys did other places. It was where we both went to elementary school. As one of your field trips in like, uh, I'm going to say like second or third grade, you went to like a pizza hut and you got to go back and they taught you how to make a pizza. Like you just made your own personal pizza and then you sat at pizza Hut and you ate it and played games and stuff. And you hung out with your classmates. You had a pizza party with a pizza majors. This was one of our field trips. So some employee, you know, probably some teenager was like, yeah, I can't put too much cheese on it. It'll explode. And so for this whole <laughs> time, and by this whole time, I mean, I learned this today because we went to a, like a make your own pizza place thing, like a mod pizza and like this guy asked for like so much cheese on his pizza. And Carly was like, wow, didn't explode. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I thought if you put too much cheese on a pizza, it explodes. And I'm looking at her like she's a Martian. I'm just like, what are you talking about? She's like, does that not happen? Cause that's what I would. So mind you, she's like 37 now. So for like the last 30 years of her life, she took the advice and and uh, reasoning of some random Pizza Hut employee that said pizzas explode if you put too much cheese on them, which I thought was wild that she never fact-checked this or anything over the course of her life. <laughs> and she loves cheese, and there was always just been this limiter in her brain to how much cheese could go on a pizza because it might explode. I mean, sometimes we learn things Only- when we're not critical thinkers, and we we don't go back <laughs> and critically think about them. Yeah, That's and it was cool. only pizza, right? It's like she yeah. could just put unlimited amounts of cheese on anything else. Yeah, it was huh. cheese and pizza, and like we've made pizza here, and I've like loaded it up with cheese, and she's never once gone like, "Oh, is that too much?" Like she's never questioned it. So in her mind, it had to be an extreme amount of cheese. I'm gonna like who's I mean, putting I, that much cheese? Though? I don't know. This guy at Mod Pizza. Well, the guy at Mod Pizza was like, he was a really rude customer. Like he like chicken. Like he was just really demanding. He didn't say like please or thank you. He was he was very rude to the staff. He just had that like demeanor that was like really shitty. So you felt bad for the this lady who's just like trying to make a pizza for him. But uh, yeah, he was just uh, it was just like a rude guy. And he was like cheese, more cheese. I said more cheese, like just like that kind of talk. Hmm. I uh, I believed the pop rocks and soda thing for a while when I was a kid. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that I was like, that die. was like an urban legend that uh, people believed. But I had also had pop rocks and soda, and then someone told me I was going to die, and I did not. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I didn't eat enough. But I was worried about it. <laughs> so yeah, just really, those are some fun really stories. To do yourself in that day, like, no, I'm going to keep going. Well, I remember it because I was living in uh, Fresno at the time, and we were. It was like a weird thing. So we were at like, there was a carnival came to a park, you know, 
and mm-hmm. we were like getting junk food from like one of the carts. And then there was this woman. I don't know why we called her a Satanist. She was clearly someone who had a mental disorder, but you know, when you're like eight or nine or whatever, you don't understand that. But she was like swinging her hands all around and like talking to people who weren't there and like talking into her hand, like making talking gestures with her hand and then talking into it. And then she like, I don't know what we said to her or provoked her or somehow, but then she kind of chased us. So that, that day sticks out to me. And then like, I just like, we're trying to eat. And so I was like, I had eaten some of the pop rocks and we're like trying to run away. And I then drank some soda. My friend was like, you can't do that. You're going to die. And I I thought I was going to die. So, yeah. Thanks. Fresno carnival. Yeah, me too. So I've been really missing fucking Portland this week. Anybody else? Uh, yeah. Like we should have been there. Like we should be. Yeah, we should, we should be figuring it out. Well, actually, we're although, supposed to be there in the this summer. This year, this year, yeah, I was gonna say this year was different, but I keep getting all the like reminders and stuff. Oh, like a memory thing. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. also you got it like tied to a pretty, pretty significant life event. I would say so. It's gonna be hitting yep. you harder. Yeah, you know. Although, yeah, <sighs> I just want to open back up, man. Dude, uh, I want my conventions back. Well, it's gonna be too late. But Save Point Video Games has their whatever anniversary, seventh year anniversary, twenty five percent off this weekend. But I'm not going out because I don't want to give my family COVID. So I'm I'm really sad. Long- I want to go out and buy video games. Literally, this summer would have been the best time to take a road trip around the world and just buy all the video games because the game stores are not keeping up with this nonsense that's happening with variants in the market. Well, just uh, Lo- just uh, say fuck it, Tyler. Just put on your mask and be like, it's fine. I'm not going to say fuck it. I don't want to be that guy. Long Island Retro has decided that they're going to... So they did like the uplink, like virtual convention. Yeah. This last year, and they decided that there are even when like things do go back, that they're still going to do uplink, and they're going to use it as like a uh, sort of how like uh, I mean this isn't going to mean much to Tyler, but how like Long Beach Comic Con is sort of like the staging ground for people who want to be part of San Diego Comic Con because it's the same organization that that they're going to do something like that where it's like you know the, your first year you do uplink and then you kind of transition into Long Island Retro. So uh, they asked me to do a panel. Um, in February for Uplink this next year. And then they also invited me to do a display in Long Island when they get back. Then they said that they'd they'd pay to have all my art flowing out. So that'll be interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've been wanting to do with the collection. I just didn't expect an East Coast show to be to be like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll pay for you all up. your shit. But hey, yeah. now plane tickets are so cheap. <laughs> yeah. You're not yeah. going to wait till you have a full set of Nintendo Power covers? You're just going to show off the incomplete set? I'm oddly close, but no, I don't think. There's a couple that I know I can't get to, so. Who has them um, and how much do you have to pay them? Adam Harvey has the um, the Mario All-Stars cover, and because that's a prominent Mario cover, he will not let it go for less than six figures. Um, he He also has Adam Harvey. Oh. He's the... He, he's, He's the other, like, it's him and Dan Maresca are, like, the, the two big art collectors. Um, Dan Maresca has the Super Metroid cover that he probably will not let go. Um, he's he's also got the um, Rabbit Rampage cover. Okay. Um, and then Adam Harvey also has 
one of the two Earthworm Jim painted covers, and he has um, the the Wario cover. I forget which Wario game it was for, but he's got the Wario cover. Um, and then um, Dan McGowan's family, they have two covers that I know of that his children will not get rid of. He has the he uh, his kids have the. Uh, the Link's Awakening cover for issue fifty, the oh, owl yeah, and the yeah, sword a, on the gold cover, which is what, a beautiful, one of the most famous beautiful covers. Cover. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful, and they do have it. So at least I know that it's safe. They also have the Empire Strikes Back Yoda oh, cover, shit. which really hurts yeah. me. Hurts yeah. you? You don't care about Star Wars. Get out of here. <laughs> Shut up. Stop talking about stuff. Um, like you you want it for for the cultural iconography? Talking to yes. a real fan here. Get out. He also he also painted the Tiny Toons cover, which we cannot find. He also painted the Ninja Turtles cover, which we cannot find. The first Ninja Turtles cover. Um, the other, the Manhattan uh, cover for Ninja Turtles, which was Raphael above a, a, the sewer lid. Yeah. Um, that painting is by Dave Hardo, which I do have some of his work, but he could not find that either. Um, and then there's a couple covers that I have, like the line art for, but I don't have the the finished painting. We don't know where the Star Fox cover is, but I have the line art for that. Um, the Guile cover, I have the line art, but not the painting. Um, the Guile is like one of the I, worst covers. It is really bad, yeah. He also did the Vega cover, which is better, but not good. But uh, but but we couldn't find the line art or the or the painting for that. Stefan, I'm looking at so. this. Uh, Star Wars cover. Uh, did they like not have the rights to Mark Hamill's likeness, and that's why this is? Uber I'm gonna Mark say Hamill. uneven. Why he's facing away? So there's the like this really detailed, beautifully shaded Yoda front and center, and in the background there's just like a shitty Luke facing away from the cover, he's lifting like sketched, the X-wing, yeah. and his hair color is like not even correct. It's really he just he didn't do people very well um because he did the tetris cover too and if you look at the tetris cover the 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 kid that he drew in the front is not very well done yoda looks great though yeah the yoda looks real good and it's nice coloring too around dagobah yeah yeah as as a true star wars fan would know unlike you Stefan, but me and johnny we're way into this you don't know about this get out of here I do have the majority of the painted covers, though, by volume. So yeah, tell those guys to suck a dick. Give you, tell them, tell them you're gonna come for them. I can. I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> I think the only way that I'm going to get that Metroid cover from Dan Maresca is if I am able to secure the Final Fantasy three art. I think I can trade that to him for that. Um, but. Yeah, that's the only way that I'm going to get that cover from him is if I trade it away or if I trade it, get it, get it from in a trade. I think I could probably buy the rabbit rampage art. He's less attached to that. Um, no way. He's less attached to Bugs Bunny rabbit rampage than Super Metroid. Well, it's like a it's a sentimental thing for him. He really likes like the Warner Brothers okay. cast of characters like like he, he tried to buy that because I have the Death Valley Rally cover now and he tried to get that from me and that's not happening. These guys, fight them. That's yeah, censor that from CQAD. Yeah, how dare they not well, give me? You all probably want to censor a lot of those names because you know yeah. we don't necessarily want. Oh to discuss yeah, maybe don't pass all the people who have art. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh yeah speaking of which we should probably cut that there was one part where um uh johnny mentioned the connection and actually her asked me to stop mentioning that uh was that in the show or was that in this after show that was in, yeah it was at the at the, at the, the end show, of the show yeah. but i think it was a pretty there's a pretty clear like spot that you can probably just cut that out okay I will probably forget, and then I'll have to listen to this whole thing, and then I'll have to go back and find it. I'm going to bed, though. Any last words for our listeners here in CQ After Dark, where we kind of talked more and recorded it for some reason? Um, you know, this is the that hot Patreon content that you can expect when we launch in 2021. Some some lower energy. <laughs> yeah. 4 a.m. Uh, collector's quest toast. Yeah. Now this is uh this is what we get when we're tired and uh, like I need something to drink. I I also like it too because it's just it's so it's more conversational obviously and and like because some of the stuff when it feels a little bit painted by paint by numbers when we're like okay and here's this line item on the list that we're going to talk about now. You know it's uh I like I like the organic conversations. I guess. Yeah. Which is why I like mailbag episodes. Sure, just like I, I got to learn that Johnny eats cereal from a bowl without milk, like That's some funny. kind of. Do you Viking use a spoon? Did you, did you mention that? Do you? Yeah, I use a spoon. Do you use a spoon? Yeah, I use a spoon. Oh, weird. Yeah, and I have a, I have a favorite bowl and everything. I've got a like it's a Pyrex bowl um, that they've released at Halloween. Like Pyrex does. Um, if you don't know, Pyrex has like uh, themed bowls for like many holidays they even have like star wars stuff now but this one has like a little haunted house on it that goes all the way around the bowl and that's my favorite one to eat out of i really have been enjoying the that like milk splash bowl that i bought that they use on um cereal time yeah the silicone one yeah i bought like i bought like four of them and i really really like yeah i like the way it looks i just don't know if like i just like my other bowl so much so you know i just haven't uh Oh, well, and they're great for Piper too, because she can like drop them, drop them, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, true. Uh, the JD can't have these. He would, he would throw it. And, uh, yeah, he, he's like, yes. Don't, don't hand, hand, hand your toddler Pyrex. Oh, it's man. Not a good he idea. can reach the switch now. It's become a problem. Because when I try to take it, from I, you, I should go to bed it. too. We should all go to we bed. We should. Let's all go to bed together. Oh, um, hey. all right. <laughs> I want right, to hang Jets. out in Simi Valley. Please, no, no, you should move. I have to be in North Carolina. No, you really don't. Uh, Especially now, you can move wherever the hell you want. Can I? I'm not I making any yeah. major life changes in this. There's Work enough nonsense forever, going on in the world. I don't need major life changes at the same time. I'm just saying, you I, work for telecom. Dude, I'm sure they're gonna say you can work from home for the rest of your life. Dude, still needs to take his honeymoon. Like, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if you remember. Work from home is like literally ruining my life. Like it's like a video game where it, I only do things that destroy my life, such as record this podcast until four a.m. Um, also, yeah, I gotta go on a, a second honeymoon. When's that gonna be? I don't know. Probably gonna postpone it at least another year from now. Uh, do it at like a big milestone, like your like your fifth year or your ten year. No, they gotta, gotta do go another do thing for had, our, our big milestone. So they had. I just had. They had such a cool honeymoon. I just had my ten year anniversary. I had planned yeah. every. I had a cool, had a cool ten year anniversary too, and it got turned around after five days. Uh, you were saying, Stefan, you had a cool ten year thing planned. 
Yeah, and then my wife had to go die. So yeah, well, she died at like nine, right? So, yeah, she did. Yeah, you uh, you did not succeed at ten years. No, we did not. I'm sorry. It's also like a, a bummer. Like I, feel, I almost feel bad, like because it's they, they're so close together, her death and our anniversary, that it's like, oh, I'm sad that she died. And then like a couple of years, or a couple of days later, once everybody's reset, I'm like, just kidding, we're sad again because here's my anniversary. Yeah, that's like. You know, I hate when dates get too clumped like that. You're like, oh, yeah. Uh. Like, my dad dies pretty close to his birthday, which is also JD's birthday. So it's like, no oh, God. oh. So, like, every time JD's birthday happens, it's going to be like, and that was my dad's birthday, too. Cool. Like, November 17th is when he died. And it's like, and then, like, three weeks later, it's his birthday. Like, October 1st is Carly's mom. And now... The 17th is her grandma. And it's like the two women she was closest with. And it's like, okay, I just want to have my birthday without the uh, sadness draped around it. But that's fine. Rude. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, and now here is our, and our anniversary is the 24th of November. So it's like, cool, cool. Yeah. I like, I, I don't know if that means uh, because permanence in life is. Uh, so fleeting if you shouldn't tie yourselves up on uh, dates like that or you should just let things go quicker i'm not sure what the right answer is time is meaningless we made it up there's nothing special about the earth revolving around the sun we're all uh, just dust in the wind space dust space getting late it's getting late (laughs) right on on so normally just to let our viewers know normally i would just peace out but i feel like i have to wrap it up because i have turned this into like almost a, a segment a second episode it's pretty much yeah my my clock says three hours and 42 minutes that we've been recording yeah. does this count as the longest episode is this part of the episode they're gonna see this like wow they're gonna talk about every castlevania now, game now, now this you, separate, is, uh, you separate this out i think yeah this is this is uh patreon content for weeks no i think this what? is just you no you release this like we don't patreon co- but it could be that stuff like this is like this is the kind of content i imagine that we would give to patreons like we might because I, I don't want to do like a specific episode and then be like only for patreons but but stuff like this where we talk and yes, like though. uh yeah i know like my retronauts episode yeah. oh i didn't talk about that i should have oh yeah well that. yeah what happened you can you can say that before you peace out you're going to bed but what happened to the retronauts episode that i could not listen to oh. i have no proof yeah, that you even mentioned us yeah it was actually a great episode. Uh, we talked about Nintendo Power, not just like my, my connection to it, but just the magazine in general. But the the Retronauts decided to make it a uh, pay gated uh, episode, so you have to be a five dollar subscriber on their retro or in their Patreon in order to access the podcast that I was on, which was not my favorite. Like, or at least like I I would have loved a heads up had they just been like, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do," versus like me like getting excited and like telling my friends and then be like, Oh, just kidding. You need to be a $5 subscriber. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite. You can, you can bet that CQ isn't going to do that to you. If uh, we put something behind a paywall, it will be frivolous nonsense like this. Yay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> all right. Yay. That's okay, it. Bye. That's all I got. All right. Okay, let's, let's stop this.